Warning, this show of ours, before I forget, may contain some themes and ideas and other crap that you may find offensive. We're sorry. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the opinions and ideas expressed in this show, this podcast, this thing of ours called Before I Forget, are our opinions alone. They do not represent the Army or any other organization. It's just us talking. Anyway, thank you for listening to Before I Forget and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Before I Forget. We're just, uh, with uh, continuing on with part two of the show uh, with Walker, and let's get right back into it. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I know we didn't we didn't really plan for this, but um, are we going to release this as part one and part two? Because uh, we're this has been a great conversation, and we are covering a lot of things. And Walker, I gotta tell you, man, like like the way you explain things the way you tell stories the your recollection and maybe it's the journal maybe it's your memory but um just fantastic man like, like well thanks dude i think it's the irish in me we're natural storytellers yeah yeah i can see that man i you know and i'll tell you what dude like man you've been uh when we were on active duty you know we're living in germany and doing all this stuff you were definitely one of my favorite fucking people because you never knew what was going to come out of your mouth, right? And, 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 and your your mind works in such a different way um, than your average person, especially your average infantryman. So, so like, you, you really never knew what Walker was about to say. Like, I remember one of my favorite memories, uh, aside from us trashing the room, was when we had a, what was it, a battalion health and welfare Oh, I'm so glad you bring this up. Yeah, this battalion. We're going back to 2003. We're not. We're we're before Iraq. We're battalion health and welfare, and um, you know we're on the first floor and we're doing the layouts and all this stuff in the hallway. And uh, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you tell the rest of this story. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that it was a, a battalion level uh, inspection of our barracks, not um, your run of the mill um, mm-hmm. platoon or company level inspection so the battalion had given everyone notice that this was going to happen and that's a courtesy to you know say more or less hey get your shit right because we're coming through and that gave me ample time to prepare for this the Mm. barracks life as you mentioned um doesn't afford much privacy right the most private spot that i had in my barracks room was the inside of my wall locker and for this uh battalion inspection uh, we were going to have to open up our wall lockers and they were going to look through everything. And this to me seemed untoward and something I would not abide. And so I went down into the German economy and I found a nice pornography store oh, filled man. with filth. filth. And I, and I found the dis- greasiest, dis- most mm. disgusting, raunchiest pornography with just obese women covered in food. Ugh. And so- they were, 
So Hank, before you go on, like, listen, I've, I've been in, um, porn shops stateside and I've been in that store as you're talking about in Schweinfurt. Yeah. And I can tell you, and people believe me when I say this, German porn stores, there, there it's, there's no, it's no holds. Like you won't be the same again. God, no, <laughs> God, no. Like, listen, I, I've seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, um, I, I don't shy away, away from things. People say like two girls, one cup or one guy, one jar or Mr. Hands. Like, I'll watch them. I don't care. It doesn't bother me, but geez, this store had things that you just, you know, ready. I didn't I know. know these things existed. <laughs> but know? if you're looking for it, I mean, I suppose it's like hitting the jackpot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, uh, um, the, yeah, there you go. And you, you were saying, Oh, so I, I, I plastered the inside of my wall locker doors with this filth, And because I'm no savage, I, I, I use my ever present Sharpie marker to put little redacted rectangles over their nipples and <laughs> sensitive areas. Cause I'm not trying to be lewd. I'm just trying to send a message. Yeah. And, <laughs> and sure enough, we got, you know, the platoon sergeants and the first sergeants and the fucking sergeant major comes through. And I, I forget which officer it was. I think it was some major. Mm-hmm. It sounds right to me, but they came into my room and opened up my wall locker. And boy, you should have seen the look on this officer's face when he saw these things hanging inside my wall locker. He was just disgusted. And uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know if it was a sergeant major or one of the other senior NCOs. There was like... Oh, you like big ladies walking? Roger that, Sergeant Major. More cushion for the pushing. Keep you warm in the winter. If you're going to have an interaction with those people, you might as well make it good. Oh, my God, dude. They they have to remember that story. I bet you if we ran into those people on the street. Remember that that one health and welfare you did? Now, uh, one thing that that I always loved is the coffee cup that you always had. Oh, yeah. You know, um, normally in the Army, you get promoted to PFC at about 12 months. That's standard, or it was. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's different now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't get mine until 15 months in. Someone told me it was an oversight. But, uh, yeah, I was, I I was proud to be not just a private, but private first class. And mm-hmm. it's important to put the emphasis on first class. Mm-hmm. Not every rank gets to be first class. There's only two. And, and so I found that mug that PFC mug somewhere. And I was like, you can, you can look anyway, you left or right. And you'll find Sergeant mugs and sergeants, first mm. class mugs and sergeants, major mugs and seldom does one see a PFC mug because people don't occupy that rank long enough to be proud of it. But I thought this is fucking cool. I'm going to take this and own it. Walk <laughs> around the common areas with my PFC mug, walk to the shitter with my <laughs> dictionary <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got promoted to specialist uh, 19 months, yeah, I got a specialist mug because, goddamn, I earned it. You moved on. <laughs> I moved on. You can't be seen with a PSC mug. Come on. I can just. I still have my specialist mug, by the way. I don't know what happened to the PFC mug. Oh man, I, I remember just, the. I don't Walker. I don't know if you remember Sarah Fraser. You probably don't. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the fun. Yeah. Trade soldier. He likes the riches, 
Oh my I remember Griffin's impersonation of Frazier more than Frazier, but I did get to meet that man. He yeah. gave the funniest oh. speech about the, the PFC rank. He's like, you're the PFC. You're the private first class of all, all privates. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> He's trying to instill pride in the PFC rank. He's like, of all privates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm like, yeah. okay, here we go. All right, so let's let's get back to our uh, – we're way sidetracked enough. Let's, I'm going to edit this uh, clean it up. But, uh, no, no, you're not. This, this all stays. It's going to stay. I just got to put it in the right place. Uh, we need to get back into the uh, the deployment here. Let's finish up or continue. Oh, here. Well, let's finish up the Easter Sunday fight. Uh, okay. We were we were coming up. We were moving north on 40th, getting close to that green mosque up there on the corner of uh, Route Celtics and 40th. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this uh, fellow <laughs> who was uh, outside the mosque, but right in front of it, around some corner or some little structure, and he was playing peekaboo with the Bradley peek around the corner with some AK or something and shoot at us. And I'd chase him back around the corner with coax. And we did this a couple times. And then we got the, our Bradley got struck in the right flank with that RPG. And I remember mm, later I Caldwell telling me what he experienced in the back of that Bradley when that RPG hit, he just said that like he heard that felt that thump and then just all the dust that had was kind of settled and still just sort of rose up. Yeah. And uh, it, what, do you remember that hitting the side of the vehicle, Brown? Yes, it was a very, I mean, I didn't, uh, it, because of the sound on the interior of the Bradley, like it didn't sound like uh, what I would have expected it to sound like. Well, because it didn't explode. Yeah, it just bounced off. It's yeah, the guy, the, the guy was too close. I think there was, you know, fuses have like a, a setback, uh, so you can't, you know, frag yourself if you. Oh, like a something yeah. too close, like the two hundred three is the same yeah, way. An arming range yeah. or a priming range, yeah. Yeah, but I remember yeah. the uh, there was like a, I don't know, it was like a one of those really surreal moments where it's like, like he said, like there was just dust falling everywhere, and it's like very weird. It was like we were, yeah, I, I don't know, it's very very weird. Like if if you can put it into a movie, it would be a lot of CGI and like glitter falling on us like magic oh, is, sure. is what it felt mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all michael bay and stuff yeah yeah, yeah like, like a slow nice motion club in the back of that bradley huh? glitter everywhere <laughs> yeah making it rain for you guys. I, I can't explain it any better than that man like uh <laughs> just like a porthole sunlight and then glitter uh and then we kind of all knew what just happened because it's a very distinct sound and then uh mm-hmm. the battle continued yeah, I, I was I was playing peekaboo with that guy around the corner with the coax, and we took that RPG to the side of the Bradley, and Ferris grabbed his commander's hand station, and when he grabbed the commander's hand station controls and depressed his um, the turret drive switch, that overrode my controls, and so he depressed the trigger fully. So he just had this stream of 7.62 rounds that just carried from about our one o'clock position all the way over to the three o'clock. And then as I'm staring through my site, I could see that Ferris is close to this guy as this RPG gunner is running away from us now. Mm -hmm. And Ferris is just kicking these machine gun rounds right at the guy's heel, right at the ground. So I yelled out, because I heard old man Swainy say this one time when we we're in 
some range. I yelled out to Ferris, my gun. And that was enough to get him to let off his control. Mm-hmm. And all I had to do was just, it was a, a little move of my wrist. You know, it, all my movement when I was, in, you know, it's crazy to think that all I did was I was sitting in a chair, not moving this whole time. Every time I'm engaging people, like it's just little movements of my wrist or my hands moving left and right to, you know, occupy controls. But <clears throat> yeah, I just little flick of my wrist up and I walked the machine gun around up that guy's back and he just dropped like a marionette whose strings had been cut. And I was so incensed. Um, I didn't have a, you know, a, this conscious thought, but I, I felt so incensed that this guy was trying to kill us that I just punched up the 25 Mike Mike HE rounds and put a good burst into that body because he needed to cease to exist. And I just destroyed that corpse. And then we fucking moved on that we, uh, the, the Lieutenant's track Bravo two, six had turret problems. Their turret drive had malfunctioned. And so they were using the driver strand to neutral steer the vehicle in place left and right to engage mm. targets with their main weapon or Bush and Gunther up there, you know, with their, uh, M four and M 16, just shoot these things. I mean, talk but, about adapting. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. After, you know, directing the driver to, you know, pivot steer left or neutral steer right to, you know, yeah. to aim in the main weapon system, you know, that's you want to say that a driver doesn't get to shoot? Well, Strand yeah. got to help aim that thing. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he was the tripod. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of like the 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 machine gun T and E um, device. Yeah. But um, yeah. so and and I kind of want to like, especially in an event like Easter, um, you know, where like you mentioned before, it's a target rich environment. So there's there's definitely enemy combatants all over the place and so you don't really have time in the heat of combat to like you can you, you engage move move on engage move on engage move on engage move on so there's no really processing what's going on it's just training is kicked in um your your um um reacting to contact is essentially right <clears throat> something happens or you see a bad guy doing a, a bad guy thing engage drop them move on to the next target move on to the next thing yeah. you know? stimulus response move on right um and it really is kind of that fast-paced um and i you know i think movies you know, kind of you know obviously like movies with the hollywood and their spin on combat and all that stuff but it is an interesting thing when you see like in a movie where you know, your, your main character is in a situation and he engages and then he has this moment of reflection where like things are just going off around him and there's debris and bullets are flying and there's an explosion. And he's just like deep in his thoughts about what's going on and having this like um, <laughs> this um, uh, epiphany or whatever. And it's just that shit ain't real. <laughs> I say all Hollywood is fake. That what? shit ain't real. There's gambling in the casino. I'm shocked. <laughs> what? It's just I, you know, I just really wanted to point that out because I think with a lot of people that we've had on the show so far, when we have obviously we've talked about like combat engagements and things like that, but like definitely not um, the, the way that you explain it. And I definitely want to point out that like that shit ain't real. What? What? what movie, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about? That's that's it. Like. 
you know, it's just like being on the rifle range, right. Where you're in the, the prone supported and, you mm-hmm. know, the 50, right. Or, you know, 50 right pops up. And the next thing you know, uh, uh, 150 left pops up and then you've got the 300 pops up. And so you're just engaged and then yeah. ready to go, engage, ready to go, engage, ready to go. Yeah. Um, I, I put that, I put that burst of 25 mic, my HE on that RPG gunner and removed him from the face of the earth. And immediately I brought my turret back to the left to the one o'clock and I re-engaged that guy who was playing peekaboo with me. But this time I used the 25 mic mic cause I was done playing and I just destroyed the corner of that structure and that guy with it too. And then I brought the turret back, right. And we were moving on to other things and, and <laughs> th- there was, yeah, no time for reflection. Yeah. Um, you got to continue. Yeah. yeah we and, did. And, and, so have you seen the movie fury? Yes. Speaking of no. movies. That was an excellent. No, uh, I have not. Uh, well, Walker, you, you might actually dig it as far as, as far as being a crew member, because so it's, it's about tanks, right? Um, Brad Pitt and some other dude, I can't remember his name, but anyway, there's a scene in the movie where they're, 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 they're filing along down the road, um, in a convoy, right? The four tanks, I think they're Shermans. Um, and they, I think, I don't, I, don't, I think they were either were, they were engaged or they noticed, um, a German, uh, panzer off to their right flank. And so they make the decision to go ahead and uh, they all at the same time, you know, flank right, um, and move through this field, um, engaging they're, they're, they're shooting and they're moving. Right. And so earlier when I was talking about the communication between the crews or amongst the crews, um, in the movie, like this is this watching that scene gave me like flashbacks to like watching you guys, um, in combat and watching you guys on the, uh, during gunnery, um, just being able to see like the brothers are moving forward and moving backward, moving and engaging, uh, listening to you guys talk back and forth. This one seems really like nailed it. Like they must have, they must have spoken with somebody who had been through what, you know, what you had done, um, and got that scene right. Cause it's, that is like spot the fuck on. I, I will say that scene is spot the fuck on. Well, now I'm glad you, it's nice you mentioned it. I have not seen the movie, but I, I have heard of it. I, I talk with a fellow regularly at a, at the vet center in green Bay and he was an Abrams crewman during desert storm. He mm-hmm. mentioned this movie recently and how he was uh, impressed with all of their fire commands and how all of the, the communications between the crews were authentic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I, like you said, I bet they had a really good person working on that movie set, uh, as what do you call it? An advisor or a mm-hmm. yeah, military advisor. Expert. Yeah. Yeah. Given the, you know, the people that don't know shit, you know, filling them in on here's how we speak. Yeah. That would yeah. be like a dream job. Personally. It really would. That'd be fun. I mean, and to, to, to watch some of these movies, you'd be like, Oh my God, how do you, how do you fuck that one thing up? Oh, <laughs> you know what drives me great? I'm, I'm sorry. We're way off subject. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that drives me the most crazy is the uniform, the uniform deal. Like they can't get the uniform right. Like how oh, hard is that? Like they have the collar up when we're wearing the the, the, the mm-hmm. like like what the fuck? Why is it so hard to just get the bare minimum things right? I mean, a quick Google search will show you how the, the uniform should be worn. Yeah, it ain't yeah. that hard. The, oh, the you can, salute you can looks pull up the manual and read. Yeah, yeah. The, the salute looks secret. fucking ate up like you wouldn't believe. Like, why, how how does this pass? Is there no military advisor here? Hey, Hollywood, if y'all... <laughs> <laughs> this is my pitch. Hey, 
If you need help with your military movie, I'm I will wear a mask. Don't worry. I will go to your movie set and I will make sure that they're wearing the damn uniforms correctly. The you want to be a costume director, huh? Whatever, man. Hey, if I can help your movie be more authentic, I'm here for you. Because yeah. that shit is is it takes me out of the movie so quickly. It really does. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And and it could be like a high budget ass, you know, Hollywood super super budget Michael Bay ass movie. If that uniform looks fucked up, I'm I'm out. I'm I'm gone. I'm just all credibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there, like okay, going through the motions at that point. That's just there's neither here nor there. That's how I feel about that. So, so Easter Sunday, yeah, so exactly. Easter Sunday, please. So so uh, I remember us having to go back to Brassfield to 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 reload to refit mm-hmm. because the because the Bradley crews um, were firing so much now. Um, do you remember what the what the combat the basic load is for the Brad? I remember that uh, we had two ready boxes of coax ammunition. Uh, each of them held four hundred rounds. Uh, for the twenty five Mike Mike, there are two ammo boxes. Uh, one is larger than the other. The total ready load for the gun is three hundred rounds. I can't recall if the if the I think the larger ammo box I think it had either two hundred and ten or two hundred and thirty rounds. I don't recall. Um, and then, so that's what was at the ready. Uh, after, during that Easter Sunday fight, uh, after I laid low that guy around the corner and, uh, and the tanks met up with us at the Green Mosque along with Captain Rock, then we, we moved over to that dump. Remember that we, we repositioned to link up with the headquarters elements and bag it, and we went into that dump southeast of the city. Um, and you guys, there are flies everywhere. In my recollection, I remember there being flies everywhere the size of grapes, just <laughs> millions of these things. They were probably not that big, but I remember them being just at the snap of a finger. They were everywhere. And, uh, and that's when, as Gil said, we, we received those indirect RPGs coming at us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I had, uh, I stood up out of the turret. And I had to free some ammo cans off the back of the bustle rack. One of our ready boxes was just empty, 400 rounds depleted there. And the other ready box, I had probably gone through 200 of the 400 rounds there. So, um, yeah, I stood up. <laughs> I remember standing up there trying to smoke, surrounded by those grape-sized black flies in the dump. <laughs> and we're taking fire. And my hands were shaking as I'm trying to reload the ready boxes. Mm-hmm. And because when you're in that moment, like you're, I wasn't able to think I was flying purely on just that training and reflexive action. And so when it came time to figure out which way did these fucking bullets go into the ready box, did, the, <laughs> did they go this way or that way? I had to stop for a minute and collect myself and try to like think. <laughs> and I, I, I don't recall which one of the dismounts, uh, from the squad, but I remember looking at somebody in that dump there and making eye contact, but I just can't, can't remember who. Uh, so yeah, we, it had yeah, we reloaded one of there. The guys we, in, in, uh, Gil squad, we were back there. Oh yeah. It could have been Gil himself. Uh, Man, we got to figure out who that was. Uh, Cause I remember you guys from the squad, as I was up on the turret, you know, I was reloading up on the top of the turret. I could see you guys from the dismounted squad out there, just in the dump. Not a, not a great place to be. 
No, and we're all just staring at each other, kind of like the way you're staring at that other person with your mouth wide open, like what the fuck? Yeah, trying to like, smoke, trying to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Like I was um, saying before, like uh, it's mind blowing the the shit that happened that day. Oh yeah, and then so before we finally left the city, we when the whole company more or less had regrouped there at the dump, and they had that disabled headquarters vehicle on the tow bar. What we did was we skirted out to the left edge of the city. And we moved up north to get on the north uh, side of the city, the north uh, eastern side of it. And we were led that way by uh, Kiowa uh, scout helicopters. Mm-hmm. So they, I remember, you know, Bravo 25, whenever we'd move out as a platoon, my, our, my vehicle was first. And we were just in the lead all the time. And in this instance, too, as the company moved out to reposition on the north edge, I was out there in the front again, too, and watching the watching these helicopters above and following them to get to where we were. And then that's where we repositioned um, along that road that was parallel and parallel to route Lakers and north of it. And uh, my vehicle, we parked it right at the T intersection of that road and 50th street. And I was oriented to the South looking down that road. And we had the company up online, you know, on either side of the vehicle, we had the company stretched out, and that's when that <clears throat> Kiowa helicopter coming over that that pilot or co-pilot was injured, and that bird had to light behind us, and um, and that's when we were losing daylight. It was we were we were losing daylight, and uh, um, I was I was cooling down my uh, the thermals the. I was getting my the thermal imaging sites for the, the Bradley ready because we were moving from day into night. And as my thermals are, are cooling down, I can look down the road and, and I can see way down the road. Uh, I got a good clear shot way down 50th. And there are people down there. I don't, they're not engaging us, but there are people congregating. Mm-hmm. And then we get that rules of engagement change. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, uh, communicated down from the battalion was a, a change to the rules of engagement. Prior to this change, we had needed some form of hostile intent to uh, engage people. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, somebody just came out with new rules, the new rules for the game. Um, rules of engagement have changed. Uh, there's an immediate curfew in, in effect, and this has been propagated to the local authorities and the mosques, they told us. And uh, you no longer need hostile intent. Every target, every person, everything on this street is a valid target. <laughs> and I remember looking through my site and seeing groups of people just, you know, collect down the road, just like, thinking this is fucking crazy. I'm <laughs> so we, I, I told Ferris, I, I asked him to get clarification uh, through our platoon leader. And Lieutenant Gunther said, yeah, he confirmed that the rules have changed. Uh, everybody on the streets is a you know, valid target. And I, I, part of what I thought cra- was crazy about this was how, how did this information get disseminated so quickly to all the people? I still see people on the, in the road. Like, clearly, there's a disconnect here. Um, yeah. But things happen fast. And, and, and Gunther confirmed, yep, these are the new rules. You see that car in front of you? Roger, we see it. Okay, engage that car. And then we confirmed, well, this, you know, because there was a car 
moving north on 50th toward our position. This vehicle was not speeding toward our position. It wasn't in any particular hurry. It was going quite slow and cautious given the nature of the environment. You know, there was a battle taking place just Mm -hmm. all around. So um, that vehicle was approaching our position. We, uh, my vehicle got the order to to fire. Ferris, you know, after we had double checked, this was what we were to do. Ferris told me to fire. And I said, on the way, and as that vehicle turned to its right onto a road that was parallel to ours, I put a sensing round into the engine area, driver area, followed by a nice three or five round burst, I couldn't tell you, and outright just killed the driver. His passenger got himself out right quick and ran to the front of his vehicle, and then I put another three or five round burst of the 25 Mike, Mike into him and ended his life. And then right after this, right after Mm. they came on the radio and said, okay, we're changing the rules of engagement back to what they were. We're we're going back to needing hostile intent. (laughs) Okay. So those are the rules. And that's, that's something what I told you and what everyone heard is something that's not, in this little piece of writing by this fellow, Matt Matthews, he mentions the rules of engagement change for a moment, or at least that some information was being communicated to the local authority. Mm-hmm. But there's no mention of then specialist Walker killing the you know, occupants, two occupants of some vehicle just because we <clears throat> told him to. And, and that, yeah. that, I tell you, that's, that tore me up over the years because it's easy to say, well, you were ordered to do it, and that's displacing the guilt. It's, nobody, nobody squeezed their trigger finger but me, and you know, that's unfortunate what happened. Uh, <clears throat> no, but I mean, I, 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 I understand what you're, what you're saying, though, man, because like, so I was listening on, on my little radio when all of this went down, and I remember thinking the same thing. is like, how is it possible for them to have communicated to a town – of what was it like 340,000, 350,000 people so quickly that if you're not in your home, you are considered hostile. And, and it's not like they had, it's not like they had like uh, emergency broadcast system going with their cell phones or TVs or whatever. And we didn't even have that, like on cell phones and stuff back in the States, you know, and it's not like people were tuned in to their TV. So you had, you had to rely on the mosques and their minarets and then putting out the word, to be home and all of that stuff. So like, how is it possible um, that that information could have been disseminated so quickly um, and people got the message? And then, and so to, to confirm that, like that, that uh, to confirm that, okay, yeah, no, the, the rules of engagement have in, in fact changed and that vehicle is now considered hostile for, you know, just because, you know, somebody somewhere else says, yep, nope, that's the rules. Um, and then to engage, I mean, that, that is a lot, man. And it's, I, I understand why it's something that over the years has, has eaten you up, but like, I also understand that, you know, it doesn't need to, no, do you know no, what I mean? No. Because, because oh, you're right. I, you, you know, you, that that's the position we were in. That's yeah. where we were. That's the life we were living. And sometimes, man, like just like in, in normal life, like we get, we get, we get faced with 
things that we don't want to necessarily deal with. And we just have, we're presented, you know, two shitty options and fuck man, it's, you know, it's, it's like fucking most elections that we have anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, what do you do? Well, so, in that moment, what, it, what are you it, it all happened fast. Yeah. 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 I, well, I, that's it. What can you do? And I did have for the briefest moment, I thought that if I don't do this, I'm out of this position. And because of what we've been through and because I had no desire to ever leave that turret for the rest of that fucking deployment, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say no. That's well, and there's also, there's also this, this idea, like when, when meat and I were up on the rooftop after Dave got shot, um, <clears throat> while we were, when we walked out of the courtyard and we, we turned right and we took those shots, I remember spinning behind me and returning fire i remember seeing this guy like i remember seeing his face in his turban i can see it he's wearing a maroon turban and i remember seeing it clear as fucking day man and i, I remember seeing him run off so when the, when when that bradley showed up tyree was it you i, I think it was you said i think you said it was you yes i was with the sorry yeah it's, yeah and so you and, and he told you to engage that one building and knock out all the windows and all that stuff yeah. I knew he wasn't in there, right? Because I watched him run the other direction. I could see the opening to that courtyard and that building, and I know for a fact he didn't run in there. So Meat and I are up on top of a rooftop, and you know he's on the 240 at the time, and I'm a grenadier. I'm now a team leader in Sergeant Smith squad, the Bravo team leader. And I remember seeing a white car come out of the road from the direction that guy ran off, and the passenger having a red turban. I could very clearly see it. Um, I looked through, um, or I had me confirm through his machine gun optic, had a three power scope on it. Um, and I had him confirm, is that guy's turban maroon? He says, yes. And we very easily could have, could have lit that car up and back in 2004 would have been completely justified. And you have to, you have to ask yourself in those situations. Like if I don't do this, and it is the right person or they are a bad guy, what will happen next or what will happen a week from now or a month from now? What, will, what bad will this person do? But you also have to think to yourself, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. And so that interview with Walmart, it was that scenario that I was trying to explain. Oh, and, gotcha. and, and, uh, you know, uh, it did not go over well. Clearly I didn't get the job. But, you know, but it's, it's, it's things like that, that people don't really think about when it comes to like your, I mean, combat in general, like you really do need to be able to make these decisions. And, and it cracks me up when people, like I work you know, around a bunch of army guys now on my civilian job. And I'm one of the only, there's like two other, me and one other guy that are infantry there. And, you know, like, and you know how it is in the military, right? Like everybody cracks jokes and infantry oh, were the sure. dumbest, blah, 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 lowest ASVAB score, you know, like what, what would, what you have to do to get in the infantry fog up a mirror? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, but like you, you really do need to be on a different level of intelligence to be able to make these kind of decisions and to later on be able to sit with them, you know, because mm-hmm. a private E1, fresh out of basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia, can go to his unit, deploy straight to combat, and now he's in charge of whether or not somebody he sees uh, living or dying. You know what I mean? It's a, That's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, huge. It is. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it's it's easy to, to beat ourselves up over 
what we did or what we didn't do or what we could do and we didn't do or whatever, the, whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? But like at the end of the day, man, like we were sent there to do a very, you know, specific, all, you know, although very broad job at the same time. And, um, and, uh, and I, I, the best we can do is just be happy with the fact that we did our job well enough to ensure that, you know, for the most part, we all came home. Um, uh, you know, so that's, that's to me, that's, that's what helps with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I had yeah, a minute, I, I had a minute where, ahead. um, you know, I think in one of our earlier shows, I've described something that me and, uh, a few other guys were, were involved in on Baton Rouge night one or night two, well, night one, I believe where there was a guy creeping around a corner mm. right, right behind. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling that story. Yeah, right behind Sarn Golf's track, and I didn't know, man. Like, uh, I always think about that, even now to this day. Like, it had if I hadn't engaged that person, could they have mm-hmm. set up some kind of ambush on those dudes? Um, was that dude just trying to get back to his house because you know we had everything locked up? Like, I don't know, but you know, I know what I did at that moment, and it was so long ago. I can't. I can't tell you what I was thinking back then precisely because, you know, I'm a completely different person now. I mean, mm-hmm. not to say I, I would have done something different, but I mean, that's the decision that I chose at that time and I can't take it back. So here we are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I look at the, that engagement that I was just describing for you guys, where I shot those two guys in that car um, for whatever it was, uh, the engagement was well executed. If you'll excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it sucks, right? Like it, it definitely sucks. Like the night that I was up on the rooftop of the ODA house and the SF guy comes over and has me flip 40, you know, seven, six, two armor piercing rounds into, an apartment building, although he didn't mean for me to put him into an apartment building. He meant for me to put into an intersection, but they went into an apartment building and I had no idea. And when I asked him, he's like, Oh, some apartment building or whatever. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm okay with putting 40, seven, six, two armor piercing rounds into a building that was you know made out of the mud on the ground <laughs> right next to it. That was inhabited by people like, you know what I mean? Like there, there's this shit that went down in the early uh, stages of OIF Operation Wrecking Freedom, where you know, like, should we? Was that is that allowed? What the fuck? You know what I mean? But like, that's just how it was at the time. Well, that first engagement uh, explosion where the Abrams was disabled, mm-hmm. and I was told to shoot the coax into this house to my left we later would patrol that sector regularly, uh, our platoon. And later in our deployments, we got to talking with people around there and asked, you know, some Iraqi there. I said, Hey, who, anybody live there? And got to talking to the guy and he says, no, nobody lives there. Some man lived there with his son, but then his son was killed, you know, early in the year. And I told you, I felt sick in my mm. guts when I talked to that guy. Cause I don't know. And that's part of it. You'll never know if it was you that killed this per- particular person, you know, or, or not. And, uh, it's not a fun thought. No, not at all. 
You never know uh, until you ask, and then you, when you ask, you're like, fuck, I wish I had never asked that question. Yeah, I wish I would have never asked. Better to be ignorant, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, we're, but we're, so we're we... human. We can't, we can't live with our heads in the sand when it comes down to this kind of shit. Sometimes you need to know. Like, you got to know. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, well, and then, so on the uh, Easter Sunday there, uh, we, we lost that light. I We made another sweep. My recollection uh, of what happened in that city after I shot that car and those people, it, it was gone. And I had forgotten entirely that we made another little sweep through uh, the town with the tanks and the Bradleys. And then we, then we went back to Brassfield Mora to, uh, refit and refuel. And I remember being so happy that the headquarters platoon had hot chow out there in the motor mm-hmm. pool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was so grateful for those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, man, being a soldier and like the, 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 the weirdest, dumbest, smallest things that could just like immediately boost your morale to a hundred percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to go back and eat a cold MRE real quick, you know, or scarf it down or, oh shit, they got actual hot food and mermaids? No, are you, what? That's fine dining for me, sir. (laughs) Yeah. That's the insanity of the whole thing. It's like, man, we were just in the middle of the craziest shit you can fucking think of. But the best thing right now would be like the chicken with the lines on it. <laughs> the dry, with the painted on grill marks, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the driest chicken you'll ever have, but would be fucking oof. spectacular right now. But that's no, I love that. That's insanity. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it, after that refit and refuel, uh, we set back out to go into the the city again. And my Bradley wasn't up for the task. Uh, the uh, engine was overheating, and we had mechanical problems right outside of Brasfield Mora on the way back in and uh, Bravo two five turned around, went back to uh, Brassfield. Um, I don't know how, how many dismounts they, you know, they took out of the vehicle and crammed into other vehicles. Cause Brown, did you go back out there at night? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you must've, you weren't in my Bradley cause the, the, that night when you guys went out again, uh, I was back at the pad listening to the radio uh, transmissions over there by the, the company CP, a company talk. Um, yeah. Just being up all night waiting for you guys to be done. And, and, and kind of like, what was, what is the feeling there? I remember like, and, and when I, when I busted my ankle that one night we were doing a movement to contact to assist with alpha company. And that's the night that Brown and first squad got blown away by an Abrams. Um, I had fucked up my ankle when I was sitting in the back of the Bradley out of the fight and just being, I just remember being pissed. Like my body had failed me and I am not able to be on the ground doing my fucking job. I was so yeah. mad. Yeah. Was I, there, was I wasn't very pleased with the, you know, I didn't want to be the guy who, you know, <clears throat> I, I looked to like, I, I wanted to be responsible for all the maintenance on my vehicle uh, mm-hmm. as, as the gunner. And so I felt bad that, the damn thing was just overheating and we couldn't get out there. Uh, I'll tell you, honestly, I was a little relieved to not be back in that city again because I'd just been through it. And I know you guys were back out there and I'd listen on the radio, but not that I was avoiding being out there. It just, I was, I was glad that something broke and I didn't have to go back, I guess. Everything happens for a reason. And I firmly believe that. Oh, dude. I see it almost every fucking day, man. 
it's wild. It's wild. When you, when you start, when you, when you kind of have that mindset, you kind of start to see the things that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was driving to work the other day and, um, something delayed me at home. I can't remember what it was. I drive an hour and 10 minutes to work. Um, something delayed me at home and I left about four minutes later than I like to. Um, cause I have a specific time that I can leave my house by. Um, mm-hmm. and I hit that time. Right. And something made me leave about four minutes late. I don't remember if it was my dog having issues or, or what it was. My dog's a diabetic. And so like, you know, I had to be very careful with his diet and all that stuff. Uh, so, but I ended up leaving about four minutes late and, um, the exit that I take to go to work, which is an hour away from my house. Um, I pull up to this exit and there was a really bad accident that had just happened like minutes before I got there. And it was in the lane that I always take to is at a red light or at a stoplight is in the lane that I always take to turn left always. And it's, it's one of those things like, man, like, and that, that had just happened because like EMTs and police and fire had just got on scene. So yeah, gives you yeah. pause for thought to think, you know, if things have been just a little different. Yeah. Like if my dog decided to, you know, scarf down his food, like he normally does, cause that's how he is. And his insulin shot went well, then I would have been out the door at the normal time. And then I potentially could have been in that accident. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things, yeah. you know, but it wasn't, was it wasn't supposed to work out for you like, like that. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, you know, me and you talk about this all the time, not like mm-hmm. all the time, but you know, our recent shows about the whole, uh, you know, being in the right place at the right time thing. Like over time, it worked out for us like that. Like me and you yeah. are doing this. Uh, right. Our platoon was happened, happened to be, you know, where we were, you know, we happened to be at the intersections we were at when these specific battles were going down. If you weren't there, you could have been someplace else. <laughs> and yeah. not have done the things that you did. You could have been feeling a certain way about it for years yeah. over something completely different. Something that was just <clears throat> on the, the street over. So yeah. that's kind of where we are right now. Like, uh, at least that's where I am, where I, I, you got accepted. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, um, so Easter Sunday is a wrap. And shortly after that, we, uh, we stop really kind of involving ourselves in what happens in town. So we have to pull out of the city. There's some big initiative to give Iraq back to the people and let the local governments handle the goings on within the towns. And so we were left to patrol the open, boring ass, wide, very flat, nothing to see here. Desert longest, probably the longest months of that whole tour to be honest. Um, yeah, they were rough. Cause there was nothing going yeah. on. No, no, it was kind of fun. Uh, as a Bradley crew member, member to be out there sometimes when you're in the open space, just opening it up and just going and practicing, mm-hmm. you know, traveling, moving between, you know, echelon, right, echelon, left, you know, line of brass, yeah, moving, trying out different movement formations with the vehicles that, that was fun a couple of times that we were doing that out there, but that was by and large <clears throat> a very, very boring time. Yeah. Uh, but we got called back into the city. You guys have mentioned, and you jogged my memory doing it, uh, that the golden Koran story. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. So that was uh, before, that was before we had to pull out. 
Okay, that was before we had to put, was that before yeah. Mother's Day then? <clears throat> or is the Mother's Day thing from May 9th and the Golden Koran thing, are they separate events or are they yes. one and the same? I think they're, they're I think they're separate because the, the, the Golden Koran was at night. It was a night mission. The Mother's Day event was, uh, was, it was a day. separate. Got it. Okay. I, I don't remember the dates on the Golden Koran, uh, but um, it was definitely before because so when we went back into town, that was that's when we did Baton Rouge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and let's see. When we assisted the uh, defense with the defense of the, the ODA house, mm-hmm. that was June nineteenth. Were we all the way out of the city then? <clears throat> right after that. Yeah, right after that. I remember taking leave not long after that and coming back from leave and Bush sharing pictures with me, showing the handover of those facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right. As a matter of fact, I, I, I want to say it was right when we left the ODA house because, um, or we had to go back out maybe a, like a week after the, um, the ODA engagement um, to hand over the ODA compound to Iraqi forces. And them being up on the on the rooftops in celebration, waving the Iraqi flag, like and they we, won. Yeah, that was like so. I was so like watching that shit happen after knowing that what we did there, mm-hmm. and then watching these assholes. And I'm I have no ill feeling towards any of the Iraqi folks, but th- that was one time where I was like, look at this fucking asshole doing this shit. I mean, you yeah. fight you fight for a building or a plot of land. You 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 know expend all this energy, potentially you know risk your life, and you know all of these things, and then a week later give it up. Yeah, I was I was mad, but you know we're cogs at that point. We're we're here. Yeah, and uh, and we had the uh, front row seat of those people retaking land history mm-hmm. that we eventually blew the hell anyway, right? But yeah, um, the Golden Cron uh, mission. So, uh, what was your role on that one? I don't remember it. That's the thing. I, I remember <clears throat> the term Golden Quran, but mm-hmm. I have zero recollection of that. Really? Yeah, none. I wonder if you were there for that. Well, I don't know. I might not have been. Um, <clears throat> when was your leave? Well, yeah, when was your when was your R&R? leave? Yeah, yeah right. my R and R was. Uh, I was home over the Independence Day holiday, beginning part of. I left at the end of June, and I and I was home beginning part of July, and then I was back with you guys at the tail end of July. That's mm. that's wild, man. To for you to have one of the sharpest memories of anything, and your journal, yeah, plus the journal, yeah. And there's no mention of it in, in my in my book either. And I got a bunch of different dates and other things mentioned there, but so that <laughs> might have fallen right in that time frame. I I, I was the um, okay, so I was I was still the the RTO for this event. I didn't become uh, so I went from RTO to machine gunner to grenadier, and they made me machine gunner again when I got when I was corporal which is when I went to the E5 board and I went to the E5 board in May. In May. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was my three years in. So I got my promotable status in May. So the golden Quran mission would have been either early May or April. So you definitely would have been there. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and that's where I, yeah, I, I remember 
the, the term that golden Quran. And I know that you know, we were in <clears throat> engaged. Well, at least the platoon and company was engaged on, on the 9th of May <clears throat> on mother's day. I remember cause I had some not so nice words in my journal for our new <laughs> Lieutenant Westling. Because uh, <laughs> I never got to fire around during that engagement uh, because of where I positioned, you know, my vehicle. And that's just how it was. And I was pretty incensed. I don't remember. So Mother's Day, that was, I think, if that, if that, if I'm not mistaken, that was our first mission out with Lieutenant Westling. That was, yeah, because yeah. he got his cherry busted, as I'll quote from my book. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was a completely different mission than the Golden Quran. The Golden Quran mission was a night mission that we knew for a fact was going to be an ambush. This is coming from Captain Rockefeller, right? Yeah, and, the Iraqi police came to us and said, "Hey, we have this mission." Blah blah blah. So you I mean you know you've heard the story, right? And and I remember those aspects of it. What I what I struggle with is I just like I have parts of the Easter Sunday engagement that I just don't remember. Like I, this is falls into that, uh, that sort of category. Now I know that we, we, on the 19th of May, we went in to apprehend some high value target and their <clears throat> recon, but I don't know if it, you know, was that a night mission? Cause that could have been, uh, that sounds like it could have been, I, I think that would have been a night mission. Um, I really don't remember. I see. I can't remember if Lieutenant Westling uh, was our PL at the time, or or if it was Lieutenant Gunther. Yeah. Well, sorry. that would help narrow it down some. Yeah, it would. Yeah, uh, it, it, we would at least know like a before or after date. But um, and I bet you, you know, honestly, we could probably get a hold of Lieutenant Westling and find out for sure uh, when that date was. But I, I really, I, I, I honestly have no no memory of who who was uh, who was our PL. Do, uh, do you guys remember this might actually go back for a second there was an interpreter they called him 50 cent yeah i do recall and they we had to go get his family is that what you're talking about high value target i don't think it was a high value oh. target but at, at some point i think we had to go and rescue his family or some shit so yeah, I, I remember that mission. I remember writing home to my parents about that that mission. I think that's separate from yeah. uh, this high value target um, <clears throat> Was that was that Fifty Cent's family, or was that our 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 interpreter's family? That was, I believe, that was his yeah Fifty Cent's family. So, and for folks listening, we we, we this, his name was Fifty Cent. We didn't give it to him. It was the group before us because um, in his he was in his, in his battles and before we got there and during that first deployment or whatever, um, in the civil war going on between the Sunni and the Shia and the fight against the uh, Saddam regime, he had been shot nine different times, um, from AK fire. So he had nine, uh, and he had been shot in the face just like 50. Um, and then I think he'd been shot in the head twice. Like, so once in the face and once in the head and then seven other shots, all throughout his body and we get there and he decides he wants to be an interpreter and do his wild dude did not give a fuck. He, he came up with a handful of times, but we had a personal uh, second platoon interpreter or company interpreter. That guy, I remember he was very, 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 very like, super nice guy. Very timid though. And very afraid. Like, yes. I remember the, the, the 50 cent guy though. Something was really like off about him towards the end. Right. Like, yeah, uh, he, he needed didn't to check out. Yeah, he ended up getting fired. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the reasoning. Yeah, I recall. And we wound up with another fella when we were at the patrol base, Yuvani, toward the end of the deployment. There was another guy, uh, Tiger. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And there were those, uh, I don't know, international police or whatever the hell they were. He was, they seemed to work in conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. He used to go in, into the room with the, uh, host, uh, not hostages, the, uh, the guys we detained with a long stick and leave. Yeah, I was invited to go in there one stick. time. And, yeah. Yeah, I was invited to go in there one time because after, you know, well, jumping all over, but there was the, <laughs> the largest I, after the largest IED later in that deployment, somebody said they apprehended the person responsible and they had him in that building and we could go watch some guy, you know, work him over, rub, you know, I don't, and I had no interest in that. I remember yeah. th- that being an option. And I remember saying, no, uh, this was a little bit late in the tour and I was done with a lot of the, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That At that point it, it goes from the crazy shit that we're doing in the deployment to now this is just fucking ridiculous. Who wants to be yeah. around this kind of crap? So let's, yeah. let's, wrap it up. Let's, let's wrap it up. You better wrap that gavel up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're not, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't give yeah. a bottom. I don't want to go watch a fucking interrogation, dude. I want to go eat pop tarts now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so of that whole year, the whole year, what is your like best, like favorite memory from that deployment? Well, I don't know if I have, it's a solid best memory, but I'll say that one of the best things to have come out of that deployment was meeting my now wife. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, around, well, it was November of Oh four when, well, let me back up before, my wife's name is Sierra. Mm-hmm. And when we were, when we were all deployed, um, Sierra's mom was a teacher at a local school here in green Bay. And the students at that school were sending letters of support to our platoon at the behest of my mother and her church. And Sierra and I, uh, realized we had this connection after we were acquainted in November, 2004 via hot or not.com. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hang on. Wait, were you on hot or not? Yes. Uh, that shit cat strand had got me to create some account uh, yeah. a handful think, of months earlier. I forgot about that. Cause I, if I'm not mistaken, I was on that as well. Yeah. I, I think a handful of people were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How everything yeah, worked so out. I, yeah, it worked out. We, uh, we started, uh, yeah, an email, uh, communication back and forth. Uh, it's like right after Thanksgiving and then through December and through January. And, uh, and that was great after that deployment ended and, uh, I got to go home for leave. Uh, I met Sierra in person on the 19th of February, Oh five. And I proposed marriage to her on the 17th of March before I had to leave and go back to Germany. And thankfully she said, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so what, we got married in 2007. Oh nice. man, I'm sure we have plenty of conversations to get into about being married and uh, deployed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause you, you deployed one more time, right? After, 
um, after y'all got married, you could, and you said no eight. I did. I did. I reclassed to become a 88 Mike truck driver and I linked up with an army reservist and I got sent back to Iraq again in 2008 into 2009. And Sierra was with me through, through that. That's awesome, man. So let, let's, let's, um, I mean, this is clearly, I'm already having an idea. How I'm going to do this, your episodes, because it, it can't be something that somebody can sit through in one sitting. I'm thinking this is like a Monday and Thursday kind of a thing for next yeah. week. Um, because I have so many questions, man. Uh, when it comes down to your, your, uh, your marriage while being deployed, like we thought we spoke to Stamp the Stampers about that whole thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we want to get all the perspectives and, and angles for that. We can, uh, but, oh, good. But I know my wife up, would be willing um, to, Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but no, I know no, no. my wife would talk to you if you ever asked. Oh, oh yeah? We should have would her she, on. Which she would be on the show? Oh, she'd be happy to share with you her experiences, no doubt. All right. Dude. And yeah, if I'm wrong, it wouldn't be the first time. You know, I should be there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's stick with this. Let's stick with this because we're, we're starting to jump way too deep. Into oh, sure. Um, let, let's finish up with, the, with Samara. Because we haven't even gotten to Baton Rouge at all, so yeah. Oh no, we haven't got to Baton Rouge or that uh, the the V bid and mm. at uh, what was to become Razor. And I know you guys have been all giddy uh, and excited to have uh, Sims on. Um, and I remember when uh, we got a new first sergeant and Sims, and he came in, and he was brand new. Uh, when I decided one day that I was going to take out my garbage from the chew and walk it up front through the headquarters area and dump it in the burn pit. And I was going to wear one of my Hawaiian shirts while I did this. <laughs> As you should. Cause I, I brought two Hawaiian shirts with me on that deployment. And, uh, <laughs> so I strolled up there and dropped off my trash, you know, pretty proud of myself for testing the new first sergeant because I, I didn't mention this, but I always viewed my role as the, Non non commissioned officer training specialist in charge of NCO training. <laughs> what the fuck? Here's a pop quiz for you, Sarge. Yeah, no, I'm more need that on a on a business card. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! And so I, I I walked through you know that area and I got back to my my chew and I was all proud because nobody had molested me and I was still wearing my shirt. And then there's a knock at the door, and I open the door and there's First Sergeant Sims. And with Sergeant Baggett right behind him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sims, I, I, he didn't like blow up. He just sort of let me know that that was not acceptable. And then he turned <laughs> me over to my platoon sergeant. And Baggett said, you take that bucket shirt and you put it at the bottom of your duffel bag. And if I ever see it again, I will burn it. Now that was all right. Communication received. It's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I, I absolutely love the irony of of you from Wisconsin <laughs> in Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you have what ten feet of snow over there right now? <laughs> Not quite, but I don't think we've got um, above zero temperatures outside right now. That's for certain. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, man. So, then, uh, well, let's get into Baton Rouge then, man. So let's get in, let's get into, let's get into, um, 
Well, you want to skip over the ODA house and, uh, okay. Well, no, no, let's talk about the ODA house. Um, well, you, I've heard you guys talk about your experiences there and, and Messer's not here to, you know, share his, um, but he was yeah. there and yeah. you, you, I've, I've loved hearing you mention him there. Uh, that ODA house, uh, fight, um, later Messer, like, what did we have seven guys in the platoon that were awarded our comms with the V device? Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of those. And I, he would remember him running, uh, ammo to yeah. and fro places. And one of those times, you know, during the engagement, the ammo that he was procuring was on the back of the Bradley on the bustle rack. So he had to, he had to get up there and expose himself to on, on those things and get them off the vehicle. And I was just in the turret, giving him some cover fire. Um, <laughs> No shit. But that day, yeah, uh, that engagement, you know, that, that engagement went on for so long. We wound up rotating as a crew, like through duty positions. Uh, at one point, uh, had master up there in the turret and he was behind the gunner's seat and I was over there in the, the commander's side and I was, you know, helping him use the coax to engage targets and giving him some practice up there that way. And, uh, <laughs> And we had, uh, you remember the, the M two thirty one those firing port weapons that the Bradleys mm-hmm. were, um, during that ODA house fight, I got to use that. Or I chose to use it, uh, one time. And that was when I was up there in the commander's side and I had that M two thirty one. and I, the thing has no butt stock and it's just yeah. either safe or auto and there's <laughs> not a good way to hold it. And so I had my left hand up on top of the, uh, you know, the foregrip on top of the barrel, like push down. Cause I knew there was going to be a, a recoil. Yeah. And so I, I was up there standing up out of the top of my, my Bradley and strands. Like he told me later, like, you look like fucking Rambo up there. Cause I was just <laughs> with my, my t-shirt, my IVA, my helmet. And I just, you know, stand up there with that, uh, port firing <laughs> weapon, uh, just putting 60 rounds down range and then saying, well, that was fun. <laughs> and then moving 60 on 60 rounds real quick i'm assuming that thing was a yeah oh yeah yeah two magazines one right after the other just like nothing yeah yeah no, that, that that gun will definitely go through them mm-hmm. yeah it's got a rate of fire like the, the, the you know 240 bravo yeah uh, but uh, and at one point there we had uh gill had mentioned uh, a couple bradley's in engaging one building you know one using ap the other following on with he and i can remember I don't recall who the other Bradley was, but I was on the south side of that Pesh building and the lieutenant's track was off to my right and they just had no field to fire. Mm-hmm. And the other Bravo section, Goff section, was on the other side, opposite side of that Pesh building. I had no line of sight to them. So we felt, right. I felt very alone over there. And the, the perimeter, those Hesco barriers and things, they were just 20, 25, 30 yards in front of us, not not very far out. Uh, but I can remember you talked earlier, John, about how cool it is to get the machine guns talking. You get mm-hmm. one firing than the other. It's, uh, it's even more bonerific when you get two <laughs> Bradley's doing that with their cannons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can remember being taken aback with the devastation that we wrought that other gunner and I on this building where I was just, I walked from the the left side of this building diagonally up 45 degrees to the roof with these HE rounds. And I watched the corner of the structure just collapse under the, the volume of fire from our two vehicles. It was, 
I'm not saying it's good and people should go about doing this, but in that moment, I was impressed with the destructive capabilities we had. Uh, and then we, we brought in the, they brought in the, that fixed wing aircraft. And I can't remember yeah. what type. <clears throat> Oh, we Wesley, had that. Wesley said it was, it, he said, I don't, I don't recall, but it was like an F-16 or F-18. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember at the time, uh, Bush, uh, talking about it over the, the radio net saying, Oh, I look at the tail fin or fins and that, I don't, but I remember him mentioning, Oh, that's the kind of aircraft but I never, that thing came in. Oh, go ahead. I never actually saw that. I never saw that plane. I just heard it and it sounded like death. I, yeah, I thought it was it, over. I thought it was a wrap. I thought some shit was about to land on us because it was it was a sound <laughs> I had never heard before. Yeah, yeah. It so was, I can only imagine what those fools on the other side were thinking when it was hitting, mm-hmm. it was fucking laying waste. No, with with all the all the other into all the other explosions and fire going on, and then that plane coming in that that cacophony it overloaded my senses. Uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't know what to make of that sensory input, and I thought God Himself was tearing the heavens asunder with his hands. You know, I, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah that's I, the best way I can describe it. Yeah, exactly what you just said. Like, I couldn't move. I was completely frozen. Like, my spine tightened. Because I, I was assuming that something was about to fuck me up. Yeah, no, I was I was running from the Pesh building back to the ODA house when oh. that shit came in. Like, I was on foot, totally exposed to the world, like, when that shit happened. I was like, <gasps> Like, that's, yeah, the only like time, that. that's the only time I low-crawled in Iraq, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there hey, was a, in, in front of my position, an uh, RPG gunner had uh, fired up at that aircraft as it was coming in on its run. And I couldn't see the gunner himself, but I could I could see the little wall from behind which he was firing. And I just put a bunch of 25 mic mic rounds in there and just destroyed that position and then, and then destroyed that guy too, just launched him out of there. There's no way that uh, that guy lived. <clears throat> Have you, know, you ever uh, looked? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it, it's kind of interesting to think about like our different engagements and like the the different. Um, mm, I don't know how to put it. Like not necessarily meanings or or whatever, but like I feel like the ODA, the battle at the ODA, um, was more along the lines of a show of absolute force. Cause I think that's one of the handful of, of engagements where we had everything available to us. And that's definitely because we were working with the um, special forces guys. Yeah. But like, I mean, we had everything from nine mils all the way up to AC 130 to the fixed wing um, and everything in between. Like all the things, you know what I'm saying? Like short of having battleships off in the fucking Gulf (laughs) launching rounds over the entirety of Iraq and into Samara, like we had everything. Yeah. We were a very well-supported platoon plus that other element. You know what else? You know what else we happen to have? Not we, but were you recording any point of that, um, any engagement? I'm sure you were because I found them on uh, YouTube. (laughs) Well, Ferris recorded a little bit of the engagement mm-hmm. from the ODA house, uh, where he's directing my coax fire on some firing position. And you can hear the sounds of battle, like us shooting there. It's, it's pretty weak sauce, you know, given everything else we did, but it's when I listen to that, that's what I'm, well, when I watch it, I'm listening to it. I'm just hearing everything else, thing else around me. I'm hearing the other vehicles. That's, that's 
what I take from that. Yeah. Um, I know. And there's some other, I never like myself recorded any, any engagements. I took pictures, a lot of still and video after the fact, like after I was done in the moment and, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm left with nothing but time to stare at corpses. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I, I, the only reason why I really brought that up is because uh, I think that's the only only time where uh, I can think of somebody who actually uh, had an engagement and it was, uh, you know, recorded <laughs> and documented yeah. clearly. Like, hey, this is this is me doing my job, and you can hear me doing my job in the middle of this madness. Yeah, um, yeah, you can hear he's. Ferris is trying to give me some fire command, but because we'd taken off our CVC helmets and we were just wearing our Kevlar helmets, mm-hmm. it, it was harder to hear. And you can hear me going, what? Yeah. yeah. It, it was, so, uh, yeah. it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool to, to be able to go back and, uh, check that out. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, what, what comes after the ODA? There was, um, well, I went, I went and took my leave. And, uh, and when I was home on leave, I saw on the news, the reports of that vehicle born IED explosion that, uh, killed those the five guys over there at Razor from the, <laughs> that platoon. And I remember looking at the news and they had a, just a video of some road leading up to Razor and some smoke. And I could recognize, I was at home in Green Bay and I was looking back and I knew what this video was of. And I felt pretty bad when I was home because I, it, you know, I knew five U S soldiers are dead, and, but I don't know who. And, and that, <clears throat> that was bothersome until I got back from my leave and I could find out that my platoon was all right. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that, going to be my next question about that whole thing was, uh, while you were away on leave, did you have any, what, what, I mean, I was going to ask if you had heard any of the news about anything that was going on, but you, you know, you explained that, but what was the feeling that, you know, and I guess you already explained that too. Like a man, I was so like nervous for you guys when I was gone. Mm-hmm. And I, and a lot of people said the same thing. Like leave wasn't a really calm, relaxing time for me because it was, uh, I was still freaked out about something crazy happening to you guys. So the fact that you guys act, you act, you actually got to see something that happened in the news would have drove me up the wall. Yeah, that was because because uh, I recognized that place. Then that was yeah, it drove me nuts. Uh, yeah. And and while I was while I was home on leave, that that was the first time. Well, when I had gone back to Green Bay for my R and R leave, that's when I realized for the first time that you don't get to go home again. I found the words to describe that thanks to old Vietnam veteran. But during my leave, uh, when I was back in my hometown where I'd grown up and I knew the place, and I was driving my old man's mini minivan that I'd borrowed to go to my brother's house across town and on a, a road that I'd been down hundreds of times before there was something in the middle, some piece of trash. And I reacted to it. Like it was an IED, like I was back in Samara mm-hmm. and I almost took my van up onto the curb and I had, I caught myself a moment later and said, Hold, 
this is this is unwanted. Let's just put that away and not do that again. <laughs> and but that that I never forget like where that happened and when that happened. And that was the and that wasn't the last time. There's I'd ordered some things from Amazon or something, and they were going to show up at the porch. And some delivery driver, sure enough, delivers things up on the porch at my parents' house, and I'm inside the house, and I can hear the delivery outside, but. I couldn't get myself up to open the door and to get the package because I thought it would explode. Mm. You know, I, and so the, those are the things that lent to me. It was like, I was all unco- all very uncomfortable and it was far from the last time those sorts of events would happen. Yeah, dude. No, it's, there were, um, I remember driving down the interstate and then the same thing, some, some debris, something in the road. And I wasn't even a driver over there. You know, I mostly rode in the back of things, mm-hmm. but still having that reaction, like, huh, I definitely need to be on the other side of, of the road of whatever that is. Because in my mind, I, it probably didn't have like the same like heightened um, reaction that, that you had. But <clears throat> in my mind, it was like a training thing. Like I don't need to be on the side of the road of whatever that is. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about in, in in the previous episode, you know, um, you know, being me being drunk and leaving the bar, walking down the street and like, just, you know, not even aware of me doing it, but like clearing this alleyway as I, as I walk across it, like pieing it. Yeah. Right. And then it, it, immediately realizing that I'm doing it and then immediately realizing why I'm doing it and then immediately realizing the whole, the, just the, the whole thing and just like an immediate breakdown. It was just, it was a really weird, it was a really weird thing mm-hmm. for sure. Um, how a lot of the things that we did over there found their way back home, you know, mm-hmm. or even when yeah, um, me, me and uh, Tyree and love, we went, uh, when we got back from Iraq, we all went to the Canary islands and I think it was like our first night out there. We were walking out from the hotel and they were shooting off fireworks. And the three of us all had an immediate response to the fireworks. Like, okay. And I, Brian, it might've been you that said it, but it was like, look, we're, we're, we're not in Iraq. We're in the Canary Islands. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. remember that. And I remember thinking like, uh, I'm, I was able to process the fact that we're not, wearing all this gear we're not carrying all this stuff we're probably drunk uh at that point things yeah. were you know it i can register things differently i know that you know yeah well at that point nobody was shooting at us but you know the world has changed quite a bit since then especially for us yeah but you know that's that <clears throat> so you, you you're back from leave yep yeah, back from leave, uh, you guys had been busy fortifying patrol base Razor. You've been mm. you were clearing reeds, and uh, yeah, when I got back, it like it felt different. Um, not like as a result of what had taken place while I was gone, and you guys being there, seeing what was left, and then and then working to you know change that as you did. Like everyone just seemed different, uh, hardened, grizzled, mm. distant, um, that sort of thing. <clears throat> and, uh, and, but then, eh, God, there was, razor sucked in my, 
in my remembrance of that deployment, I break it down into, you know, sections of, you know, thirds, pretty much. There's the Brassfield Mora first third, and then there's us at Razor for that middle third. And then there's the inside Samara. There's the patrol base Yuvani last third. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes and sense. that middle part at, at Razor was, it was so uncomfortable. Uh, because it was so hot and it was so humid at, on the banks of the Tigris that it it was hard to get relief from that misery because that building was only so big and we had so many people in there. There was not much room to just sack out in there. And I wound up sleeping in the back of my Bradley on those bench seats, just in literal pools of my own sweat. Just, And it was so miserable that there was a, that time Messer and I, we needed to put more water up onto the bustle rack in the back of the turret. So we lobbed a bunch of cases of water up there. Then we went and stood on top of the, the Bradley and we we're putting the water in and we're, ele- we're you know, above the, the HESCO baskets out there, HESCO barriers. So we're visible. Mm-hmm. And he and I, we hear something and we look at each other. Cause to me, I was thinking, did somebody just, fucking shoot at us and we and he he heard it too and we looked at each other and then we looked down between us on the top of the the turret was just this streak of lead <laughs> and I was like that's fucked up and we just shrugged and said who cares like this we're so miserable none of this matters <laughs> who cares mm-hmm. uh and yeah then we went we did those uh, in preparation for the Operation uh, Baton Rouge. We did those Cajun mousetrap missions. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Those are the we probing missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were probing missions. We were you know, testing their defenses and checking their responses. Uh, and I know there are videos on YouTube, uh, green and black videos of of some of the engagements then. Uh, you, cause you can, it's just like the, uh, the same with that 500 pound bomb drop that we did mm-hmm. that, that there, I don't know who was taking those videos to be honest. That, with you. Roja got the, Roja. oh, sure. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are um, always fun to go back and look at. Yeah. You, now I can hear him now that you mentioned that I can hear him in the video. Go, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now there's another video that got posted just recently that uh, if you go to the YouTube, it's something like scouting mission Samara, Iraq, and then they've got it tagged, you know, whatever date, August 19th is this video, but our mission was the, uh, I think the earlier, the 13th. Um, but this is another video that shows that same engagement from another angle. And when I watched it, uh, it was it was kind of neat because for the longest time I had one impression of the engagement from my one point of view, and then I see this other camera angle that shows you know a, a different ang- a different depth of that uh, fight, and I kind of I wondered if Howell and I were shooting at the same thing when for the longest time I thought he and I were engaging the same building. That's, so it's kind of, it's just like this show. It's kind of crazy the things that you learn over time that 
cause you to question or, or shift your your view on your views. Mm, right. Yeah. Or your view on your recollections, maybe. Yeah. It really. <laughs> the more we do the show, the more I question my own sanity. Because <laughs> I'm like, man, I remember it being this way, and I could tell you what 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 color you know this happened, and like, nah, man, it happened completely different, it, it, and it didn't even happen there. Like, really? Am I going insane? <laughs> Good question. I mean, yeah, and, and it's wild to think that, like, I remember, I remember a thing, like, so vividly, yeah. Like, I can, I can close my eyes, and I am there. And then you can remember that same event, and you can close your eyes, and you're there. But like, the details, even the major details, mm-hmm. are different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It's not like <laughs> you know little I mean? small details. It's not like, oh, okay. Uh, it, like no, it was raining that day. It wasn't sunny. <laughs> right. What? Right. Like uh oh man, no, like uh just just the craziest huge detail I get completely wrong. Everything else is right for the most part, but you know, I guess the things you block out. Is it is it me blocking it out or is it me actually forgetting? Yeah, good questions. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Damn it. <clears throat> well we and are. then we were October 1st was um, Baton Rouge. Uh, mm-hmm. I Before that operation started in earnest, as we were staged outside on the western side of the river, and as we had that just long, long line, I remember seeing a long, long line of army vehicles just stretching back from where we were up in the front, just lights because they knew we were coming so it's not like you you know yeah. we were running blackout drive we had headlights on <laughs> this is not, not a secret and i remember looking back and just seeing this long snake and tail of lights and we had the apaches overhead and we were up there at the tip of the spear with the the tank platoon in front of us they were the the first ones in uh and they so we all we crossed over that dam and then <clears> the, the Tank platoon got to that traffic circle, and then I remember, yeah, it was it was dark, and looking through my thermals, I I I couldn't see any targets, you know. And I had Ferris up there saying, "Hey, don't you see him? Don't you see him?" And I was like, "No, like, I, you know, I, I would have benefited from a better distance and description and direction, and so on." Uh, but I remember that that as as we pushed as a platoon onto that eastern side of the river and, and through the tanks and got that foothold. I just remember that was just chaos on my end. It just, it, it just felt wholly chaotic. And I, I wish I could have been shoot, you know, shooting more. I don't, I don't have a great recollection of what happened after that, other than just remembering it felt chaotic. Um, and then we kind of, we just, we kind of slowly crept in and you guys, as the dismounts would go and, and clear structures and, Man, so much of that day or night for me was a is a blur. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I, I, could I know give a better description of, of you know we went from this house to this house. I'm like, no, man, I remember um, walking down the street and then being dismounted and then mounting back up and then all kind of just really weird things. It was like, it, I don't know, man. It, it was. I don't remember a lot of engagement on my end, on my part during that whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall a single engagement right off the bat as we moved in. I, I remember there being 
like I can recall hearing small arms fire out there, but I don't, I didn't see anything. I never shot at anything until we had moved in a little bit. Um, yeah. No, you guys have talked in the past or, you know, I remember love talking about that engagement, um, where he, uh, he had shot those guys, uh, in the road, it looked like they were moving a crew served weapon or something. And, mm-hmm. and it was a stack of bodies that made it into a time magazine. Um, and I have that time magazine. I found a copy years ago oh, and really? I it in my collection. Yeah. Huh. I, you know, when we, when we were doing that one with love, I, I got on their, uh, their website and looked at, um, uh, like the older uh, episodes, uh, older issues of Time Magazine. I couldn't, I couldn't find which one it was going to be in. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, if you, yeah if you when know, you guys were talking, I was digging around my my collection. I've got it somewhere, but when I find it, I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, if you can, if you can tell me like the the, the month and the year, I can I can look it up that way. Yeah, but, we um, definitely like the picture. Yeah. Oh, and that, that, I know I've got some of my own like private uh, pictures too. Cause, uh, I took some pictures of that what was up there after I got close enough because I wound up occupying, uh, roughly the place that he was after they moved the Bravo two seven track. And I, uh, I remember having a night engagements over there. Mm. <laughs> I fucking, I was standing up out of my, out of my turret on my side, stretching my leg or something. And what, and uh and ferris was down behind the gun and that son of a bitch he started shooting at these people with the 25 mic mic and he didn't give me an on the way or any kind of warning so i just, <laughs> i jumped out of my fucking skin when i'm standing up there uh and i really wish he would have just gave me a warning <laughs> Little i'd be less jumpy today perhaps <laughs> that's funny it was a good um, time i guess right uh, at least yeah, yeah. On, on the way or firing or yeah but, but that was one before. of those dumb moments I had. I, I was standing up out of the turret and I was looking down the road and to the side, I was like, Oh, what are those flashing lights there? And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, that was people shooting at it. You dumbass. Yeah. We're still in the middle of this fight, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. But I, I had to, every now and then I just had to stand up out of that turret because my knees, like a year in that turret, like kind of wrecked my knees. They would just burn as I'd sit there. My knees would just be on fire. There's nothing yeah, from, from being immobile. Yeah. You know, so after, after that whole deployment, man, same thing with my knees. We, we, uh, you know, going from being a dismount to being mounted and being in the mm-hmm. same position that with your knees up against that, uh, the turret wall without a better, oh, you know. Yeah, up against that ammo box there. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good feeling. No. But as, 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 as comfortable as you can get being a taller person in there. Sucks. And so that Baton Rouge, the like the the kinetic phase, if you will, that was a, a few days long. And at, after that first night down on the on that road closer to the river, we my Bradley and another Bradley from uh, from the third platoon, I think it was Howells Bradley. The two of us were um, moved over to support what was happening over by the Golden Mosque. Uh, I think this is right after that Sergeant Michael Yuvani was killed Mm -hmm. and uh, that element over there had called for assistance and and we were tasked to go over there and help support that. I know that the, uh, this was just after they had, um, you know, the local forces and our, you know, and their American handlers had cleared the mosque. 
And so, Brown, did you get moved over with us there by the mosque? Um, no, I don't think so. I think no? uh, oh. I think we were someplace else. I I never, me personally, I don't think me or or Sarngill squad got anywhere near that mosque. I know. I remember then King was over there. because you know my my memory. If King was there, then I, I guess so. Because I was, guess he, uh, he was in uh, King Squad. I mean, he was in Sergeant Gill Squad at the time. We were doing the oh. uh, transition. Well, no, not yet. No, no, he wasn't there yet. No. Well, See, we got um, shows what I know. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't remember. I remember we did bring some dismounts with us to pull, provide our local security. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to go in there. Yeah, I, I was over there. You know, I was over there by the mosque and I was looking on the, I was on the South side of that mosque looking down, I guess what we used to call 25th street. Not that we had much to do around there, but looking down that road. And again, this is day two or so and the fight's still going on. And so most people with a firm head on their shoulders are hiding in their houses or they've left. Um, yeah, you and remember so every, the long the, lines of people with the white flags? I remember them coming out after, yeah, after about after <clears> day two, come around day three or so. Yeah. Yep. So this one fellow who was not wearing, carrying a white flag, but wearing a white man dress, he, uh, he was just all alone walking down the road toward my vehicle, uh, kind of a middle-aged guy uh, or, or older. And, you know, I was... I, I didn't want to have to shoot this fella, but I knew that I had my perimeter. I Nobody gets close. Uh, so I didn't want to have to shoot this guy. I tried, and I communicated to the dismounts to, uh, hey, tell this guy to fuck off. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure it was King over there. Uh, well, one of the dismounts, they fire a warning shot right at this guy's feet. And, uh, round just kind of, it skips up in front of this guy off into wherever. And this guy's reaction was to grab his cock and balls with his left hand and just hoist them up. And then he kept walking towards us. <laughs> and like the damnedest thing. <laughs> and so somebody yelled up, to, yeah, somebody yelled up to the, oh, one of the, you know, Iraqi army guys that was behind us on the, at the mosque and. And that guy communicated to this fellow in front of me to you know, go away. <laughs> but I remember that guy just grabbing his genitals and kind of lifting him up. And I wasn't sure if maybe he was checking to make sure they were there or just kind of, <laughs> you know, threatening menacingly like, you know, here's, here's what I've got, buddy. Yeah. It's you can fire yours, here's what I got. Yeah, probably. A little, little column A, a little column B. Yeah. Uh, like, but then. Thank God I made it and thank God they're still here. Yeah. You can't take these, these. D's nuts. nuts. No, he he walked D's nuts straight away. Uh, <laughs> but then, uh, two like I wound up shooting two other cars that came into my sector down that road, uh, and yeah, the first one was quick. It and there were likely three people in that vehicle that that died, and that car just sat and burned and burned the whole time we occupied that position. And after I'd shot that one, the second car rolls right past that into my sector. And I put a burst of HE rounds into there 
I killed that driver and stopped that. And the passenger got out, reached in for his weapon. He gets out and I, I re-engage the target. And I, so I put a burst of HE rounds into him in the side of his car and knock him down onto his back, supine on the ground. And I thought that engagement was over. And I, as we had nothing to do but sit there and watch my sector, I just sat and I watched this guy through the high mag. I'd move left and right and look at the sector, but with nothing but time, I'm just staring at this fellow who I think is a corpse, but then I can see that his chest is still rising and falling some. And I can also see that his now burning vehicle has uh, expelled fuel onto the ground, fuel that itself is burning and licking this guy's legs. And uh, it was too much to sit and watch this fellow burn to death and to think that that's what is happening to him. Didn't matter that he had a weapon. He was an enemy combatant and, you know, he's not on my side. He was still a, a person. I, I'm going to take a breath here. If you don't mind. Oh, fine, man. Man. Yeah, man. We'll take a break completely. We'll come right back if you want. Oh no, I'm, I'm in it to win it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm no tanker. <laughs> so, <laughs> God. I, I, you know, Ferris and I had a little talk and we realized that we needed to zero the coax. So we, you know, we zeroed the coax. I put that reticle on the guy and went to shoot him. And the first uh, burst fell short and to the right. Ferris made a correction and I pulled the trigger again. And that second burst uh, walked right across his chest and, and stopped his suffering and mine and you know there we our job was to hold that position and we didn't have any there wasn't a thought in my mind of of going out there to help that guy yeah that's not why we were there we didn't have assets to do that and you know at the time the thought was fuck these people straight up they're not, they're not even by and large these are not people they're mm-hmm. they're targets, targets they're hajis they're so they're, they're, you know, they're not human. We had many ways to make them less than human to make our job easier to do. So. I think in that particular moment, though, uh, as as a fellow combatant, you both met in the middle of this, and uh, I doubt that he would have had the same kind of. Uh, uh, felt the same way about get, taking you out of your misery, but you know, you being the gentleman that you are, understanding that this is what it is, you put him away. You 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 put him out of his misery. I think a lot of times people forget, like, hey, uh, we all showed up that day. You showed up the way you were equipped with what you yeah. had, and I showed up with what I had, and you felt in your heart of hearts that you can succeed. And I felt in the heart of my, in my heart of hearts that I was going to succeed. And here we are. And, uh, in your particular case, you help that person out in his time of need when, you know, it is what it is. You show. Yeah, it, I get it would that, have been man. cruel to, you know, to think that he was conscious and feeling that at all. And that would have been cruel to let him just, let that happen. And you got to think, man, like the battle 
that could have gone one of two ways, right? Like, um, I mean, really, okay, one of three ways. We you, we could say that we could dispatch a medical team to go see if we could assist in any way in saving his life, right? But likely what was going to happen is he was too far gone and oh, their sure. efforts would have been in vain. So that's one way. Another way it could have gone is you just let him suffer and burn and die. And you know what? This, you know, such is combat. Like that's, that's how it is. That's but then it. there's the third way and it's the human way. And this is how you know that you haven't gone fucking crazy and that you're not a sociopath is that like, you know, the other options, you know, he's probably too far gone and you don't want to see this man suffer. So the best thing to do is to end his suffering and send him on his way. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know what I mean? Um, like, and a lot of people don't hear that fucking story in combat, you know? Oh, no, you never know. No. <clears throat> no, people always want to ask me, oh, you kill somebody, but nobody ever asked me if you took a shit in combat, for example. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of questions that go unasked. Mm-hmm. Tons. Who thinks of that? <laughs> Have you ever taken a shit in combat? Have you? Uh, me? Well, I've taken a shit out on patrol. I've, I I was always able to pucker up long enough to hold everything in while we were out there doing it. You know what's weird is all the engagements we've ever had, like, I don't remember a single time needing to, like, back off the line to piss or anything. Mm-hmm. Never. Oh. And I don't know if that's because of, you know, and, and, and Walker, we, we, you and I have talked about that book um, on combat, and one of the things that they talk about um is taking a pre-combat shit. So, you know, right. So like, because if, you know, if you should get hit and you go down, you know, your body is going to, uh, naturally like cut off the things that it doesn't need to preserve the things that it does need to try and save life. Right. Well, one yeah. of those things is your bowels, right? So you get hit, you go down, you're immediately going to start pissing yourself and shitting yourself because your body doesn't need to maintain those muscle functions to maintain life. Right. Priorities. Right, priorities, exactly. And I don't remember ever a time, um, I mean, at the time, this was long before that book ever came out, but like, I don't remember a time, you know, in, 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 in any, in any firefights that we were in thinking, I really need a timeout because I have to go shit the box somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was never a thought. That, you, I don't remember that ever happening. You know, that never happened while I was dismounted, but while I was mounted, I've had plenty of times where I'm like, we're in the middle of a fight, you know, and by the time I was mounted, it, it, it wasn't as intense, but, uh, I'm like, fuck, I, I can go for a shit right now in the middle of this fight. <laughs> I didn't actually do it, but I was just thinking like, I could, I could do it if I needed to. And you, you, know, you, you think back in history uh, and Walker, you might, you know, this, uh, this specifically what I'm talking about. I can't remember if it was civil war, revolutionary war, but like guys were like riddled with dysentery and they were holding the line while the backs of their pants were undone or whatever it was with their pants down, like engaging and shitting at the same time. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm very curious and I'm going to look into this. Um, I, I just remember, I just remember hell, man. God damn. when I, when I was in college um, and I did, um, I did, I knocked out all of my history classes cause I was, I was trying to be a history teacher. That's what I wanted to be. And um, one of the things that the teacher was talking about was, and I, I wish I could remember what battle it was, but like the, the troops were just devastated with dysentery. And I want to say it was a revolutionary war. Um, 
because it was one of those big like like uh like amazing triumphs in combat right because here we are fighting off the people who are you know keeping us from our independence and so on and and we're doing this while we're just well we all have this like 100 of the troops had dysentery and they're just releasing their bowels as they're releasing their fucking muzzle loaders you know it was just and it's just it was it was a neat story to hear about and it's one of those things you're like damn man like and this was after i you know i i had left the army at this point and was in college doing this and and uh and you think back to like the fights we've been it's like fuck dude i could not imagine like shitting my brains out while engaged but you know, I've also I've also read stories of guys in Afghanistan going through the similar something similar. So, you know, it's it, it definitely happens, but I don't remember it ever happening for me in Iraq. <laughs> no, it's, I never read a, a rarity. Know, had to drop a deuce during a fight. And just just uh, during those patrols that were pretty uneventful, I'd find mm-hmm. some building and go in there and drop a deuce. I do I do really enjoy the fact that like our conversations can go anywhere and it's a okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, well uh, here let's uh if you want to hear something else that'll take you somewhere uh, <laughs> when we had you know after those engagements at the mosque were done and baton rouge is still ongoing and we moved over uh closer to what would become patrol base uh yuvani and so we had um we all moved out and we were down on, I, on, I think 30th, uh, 30th and, and Celtics. There's a, there's a traffic circle there. And I was facing down to the South, uh, watching my sector. They had, we had another Bradley to my left. I think it was the one from, uh, the third platoon that had been over by the, the mosque. And they're, so they're watching the sector to the left and you know, off to my right was, uh, seemed all the NCOs now there's a lull. We were winding down. All the NCOs were having some meeting in a building off to my, my right and in my rear. And behind us was the rest of the platoon and like the whole, like the elements of the company spread up that way. But, uh, I was standing up outside the, the, the turret, standing up on my seat, stretching my legs and out of the corner of my eye, I catch motion and before I think about it, I immediately reach over and I grab my M16, I shoulder it and I turn to my left and there's a car there too damn close. But within the traffic circle, it shouldn't be there. It's within our perimeter. And I yell at this vehicle, just you know, stop motherfucker. And, and they stop and some, and the passenger holds out a little person, not quite an infant, older than an infant, but not a big toddler. So somewhere in there is this little person they hold out the window. And I just yelled back, yeah, I'll kill that little motherfucker too. <laughs> because you know, there's a point, like the Bradley crew to my left should have stopped this vehicle. This vehicle was already in the perimeter. It was too close and I don't know what's in there. And had it moved forward a single inch, I would have killed the occupants of that vehicle. Mercifully, these people were not retarded. Excuse me. They were not daft. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were able to uh, back up. It, they caught no, my meaning. That's a, that is an, a, a, an insane story because if, they, if that doesn't really display 
how things were in 2004 um, GWAT, then I don't know what does, honestly, because that's literally how it was. I can't, I mean, we've, every episode where we, we talk about how things were in 04, like, and I say, I say, I say constantly, that's just how it was. That's just how it fucking was. Yeah, that was our normal for that time um, and that place. I mean, and, and we we know the stories from Vietnam, right? Where little kids would be armed with with explosives. We've we've heard the stories during Iraq or Afghanistan where little kids were armed with explosives. It's it happens, you know. Just because somebody holds a baby or a toddler or whatever you want to call it out the window and says, "I have this," um, let us let us pass. Yeah, that doesn't mean that this toddler, baby, whatever isn't something that's lethal for all you know and for for folks listening this is an absolute fact that that happened over there this is what those the bad guys that we were actually fighting this is what they were doing is and this this might be a warning if you have issues with bad things happening to kids don't listen to the rest of this but like they would use them for that they would pack bodies full of explosives um, not necessarily children, but sometimes adults or whatever. And, 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 and that could be a thing. And, and you could hold that out the window and say, I have this child. We don't know if that child is dead or alive. We don't know if that child has an explosive on them and that's what they're using it for. We don't know. And that man, exactly. you don't know. And all I knew was that that vehicle was too close. It was in my perimeter that the Bradley crew to my left had fallen asleep. We had been going so long and we were, we were all tired and they fell asleep. And that's why that vehicle, you know, that with that car was there. And I would, at that point, I was very much willing to err uh, on the you know, side of our safety and right. anything that could have been presenting a threat. Well, to hell with it. It's yeah. gone. It's out of here. Maximum destruction and minimal loss. That's the goal. That serious pucker moment right there, man. I mean, uh, name oh, of the game, man. Name of the Cut, game, dude. That's fucking over. Curtis heard that from up on the building, and he liked to laugh or give me grief about it, kind of good naturedly. Like, oh, you're gonna, you told us you were gonna shoot some kid. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And and just to, just to be clear, like, and and to just to say this, even for people that are listening, if if you're not if you're not hearing what we're saying, like, you didn't want to. Oh God, no! This is this is just the nature of the events. This is just the world that we were in. Yeah. I was scared, man. I was scared, and we had some very, very dangerous things happening all around us. <clears throat> yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's mayhem. Yeah, you can't predict this unpredictability. That's war, man. It's it's. It's too much. It's too your your human mind can't wrap your mind around the shit that you're gonna see during this. You know, it's oh no, it's see There's it, a, and a if you survive it, okay. like uh, you know how you how you gonna deal with it later. There was a a neat well, I don't want to call it neat, but a a good prime example of uh, of cognitive dissonance and and not being able to take in and accept what your senses are presenting to you when we were we were maneuvering during Baton Rouge, probably going from you know down closer to the river up toward the, the mosque then. Uh, I remember passing 
platoons of guys, uh, dismounted guys on the road. They weren't ours. They weren't even our company. I remember seeing them and they had ammo belts slung over their, you know, themselves. Uh, but what we saw right near them was this tracky guy holding what a limp little body you know, in his arms, you know, who was covered up with the sheet. Uh, so this looked like a guy carrying some broken little person. And I didn't linger. I passed right over that image. I had no interest in staying and looking at that. But I remember Messer seeing that. And from him, all I, I heard was, no, no, man, fuck you. No, you're lying. You're, no, that's not true, you know. And whether he was or wasn't, I, 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 I don't know. But uh, I think that the notion, I think when Messer, as a new father, mm. saw this other guy with a, you know, what appeared to be a broken little person in his arms. I think that was too much for Messer to take in and process. And, and that's where that dissonance comes in. And he just, he didn't accept it. It doesn't matter what you're seeing. That was not going to be part of what he understood as what was happening. Yeah. God damn, man. That's fucking heavy. <clears throat> and I say it's heavy because I've been, you know, as a father myself, I've done police shit like right after my son was born and I'm like, man, like in a similar situation, you know, the the kid in the stroller. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Fuck man. That's hard. But you Yeah, know, the kid in the stroller, when I heard that, man, I I could not nor would I want to be in your shoes having to you know, see that and take that in. That's that people at their worst. That's terrible. Hey man, we get to see it all. The best and the worst. Then the worst is like you can't even wrap your mind around the worst. <clears throat> but you know, I, I think good. I think we I think we talked about it in a different episode, or maybe you even mentioned it in that episode. But like, you know, when we're deployed in combat, you expect to see shitty things, right? You expect to see death and and just fucked up things that you're not supposed to see and all that stuff. But like, <clears throat> when you're home here in your own country serving your own community where your own people live, you all speak the same language and you all live the same lifestyle and you still see shit that's just as bad or worse. Like it makes it just that worse. Worse. Yeah. It's that much worse. It's, yeah. fucking, um, it's fucking unbelievable. The shit that you see in combat, like I was saying, it blows your mind. And then you think you've seen the worst of everything. You get back here. And then you see something that's even far worse. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) I thought I was over this shit. I thought we were past this. Yeah. And you see it and you're like, God damn, you know, there's no hope for for any of this. And I try not to be like that because as a father, you hope that there's hope because, you know, there's something for humanity because my kids in this shit. Yeah, that's right. Your kids are the hope for humanity. They're the... Yeah, but that's just fucking terrifying. The, the Walker, crazy shit that's, that, that happens out here in, in the world. You said you've, uh, you've got kids now? I do. I have a, a daughter, Lillian. She's eight. And my son, Arthur, is four. Nice. <clears throat> huh. So when your daughter just started walking, did you ever look at her and say, that's a little walker. 
<laughs> <You're> fucking... <laughs> See, Tyree, that's when you need the, the, the soundboard. <laughs> or maybe a <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, he, he, he said in the test recording, he's like, he's not going to use it this I'm episode. I'm not going to so. use those, yeah. those yeah. sound pads. Yeah, I'm staring right at him right now. <laughs> so I, I, and I, when I'm you just, said I, that, I'm like, that would have been a perfect time to use. Yeah, I decided that I was going to try and find like the, the perfect opportunity to throw in a dumb joke just to see if uh, I would take your bet. I'm not going to take it. I promise I'm not. So that that's that's pretty cool. So and, and uh, when when Tyree and I first started talking about doing this before we started doing this, obviously, one of uh, I think the initial motivator, um, at least for Tyree, was to have a record of the things that we did and the things that we did with the people that we did things with. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not just, not just Tyree's story, um, but like all of our story um, for his son to be able to listen to and be like, this is the shit that my dad did, which is awesome. Cause I mean, that's extending the legacy and that's, you know, like they're saying like, Hey, this is, you know, later on in life, he can be like, dad, this is, this is the shit that, you know, um, your grandpa did right when, when Anthony has kids, you know what I mean? And, and we're, and we're all long gone. He can say that this is shit that your grandpa, your great granddad or whoever did, you know what I mean? And that's, that's a really cool idea. And obviously since then it's, 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 it's uh, evolved into uh, having more deeper meaning and not deeper necessarily, but like um, other, other meaning and other things. But anyway, I'll, I'll, you know, so I, I, all, all that to say, um, with your kids, um, obviously with four and eight years old, it's not, you know, you don't talk to them about military service. I mean, they may know that you were in the military, uh, maybe, but right. But like when they get older, is that something that you want to talk to them more about? Um, well, my daughter knows that I was a soldier. Mm-hmm. I don't talk much about it. But she does know every so often she'll remind me that she knows she'll mm-hmm. see somebody and say, Oh, it's just like you were a soldier. And I say, yep. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. it'll absolutely it'll come up again. And that's, I love what you guys are doing here because to echo what you mentioned, uh, Jonathan, I hope that this recording or these recordings, I think, I hope that, they'll be around for a while, uh, whether publicly or in my own private collection. I hope they'll be available to be shared with my children uh, some other time down the road. You know what would be my dream for this? This Mm. whole shit, this whole thing is if other guys would start their own shows and we can have a show every day of the week about, you know, veteran type shit because of what we've done with this and everyone's saying it's such a positive positive thing we can make it even more positive man we can crank it to max and we can slap a whole bunch of shows one a day with different people not different people like every single day and me and Kevin even on this I'm saying like a completely different group of people Mm -hmm. and and let them tell their story and you know it could be a network of 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 us veterans doing these these shows and covering all the battles that we've been through you know 
Yeah, you see, you see, when we when we first started doing this, man, you wanted to pump out like forty seven episodes a week and you know two <laughs> hours long. And dude, n- nobody's listening to our show for no. That's what I'm than, saying. Not our show. It could be someone else's show. Someone else, two different hosts with their own guests. They're still under our umbrella. It's just you know now that it, we we're able to reach out and start other stuff. We we right. still have our thing going on, but they have their stuff going on too. If you're the intermix it, you know. I had visions and dreams, man. Don't step on them. <laughs> Fuck your dreams. I'm just Shut kidding. the hell up, man. All right, so let's let's try to close this one out because uh well not this one, but uh get to the point where we can we can close out the second half of the show. You know what I think we should do? And, and this is just my thoughts and, and, and Walker, maybe, you know, you, you're pretty much like the, uh, the yes or no on this. So we definitely have a two part with you. This is what this is, right? Mm-hmm. We're, if I'm reading uh, Tyree's mind, right? Like we're probably going to, um, the first portion of this will be on Monday. The second portion will be on Thursday. And man, if, if your wife is down to record with us, um, with the the four of the three of us, right? So all four of us, right? Like how we did with uh, Mike and Sabrina Samper. Uh-huh. Um, and I think we've pretty much, for the most part, covered everything up to the end of um, our deployment. And then you guys got married um, in 2007. So two years later, right? Um, so do you think that we could do a part three where we kind of pick up um, at the end of all of this with you and your wife, if, if she would be down with that, you yeah, know if she's down for that. Oh, if, if she's game for it, then I'm game for it. Um, she, she was my wife, uh, during the, my second deployment. So I, she, and she'll offer a, a very good perspective. Uh, but y'all were together. Y'all, y'all, I mean, y'all got together officially, right? What, what was that date again? Oh, well, uh, let's see. We met in person February, February 19th of uh, 2005. And mm-hmm. I proposed March 17th, 2005. And then we got married in uh, 2007, June of she, 2007. She came to Germany? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, she did. Um, when I met her... I had gone back home for my 30 days of leave and that's how I met her in person in green Bay where she's from. Uh, she, uh, and, and, uh, then she did come to Germany though in July, she came for her birthday in July. She shares a birthday with Jimmy Hefner. Okay. And, yeah. and, we, and we all went out and had Mexican food and then, uh, she and I met up, uh, in Germany. Yeah. Mexican Germany. food in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, in November, over Thanksgiving of 05, she and I went to London, and we met up in London. That's cool. So I think it would be kind of neat to pick up on, um, you know, when you guys first uh, online met, and then, you know, the the evolution of y'all's relationship from there. You know what I mean? Um, Oh, I I think it'd be great. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I, I haven't had much interaction uh, with your wife. I know that like, um, on, the, on our, on our group, on our Facebook group, I think she's on there. Um, and occasionally she'll, she'll chime in, um, speaking for you or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever. Cause I know yeah, you, she's my intermediary because I won't use that platform. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, well, after hot or not, like, what's the point? You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no, no use for any, any, any social media now. No, yeah. I got what I was looking for. I'm done. The internet yeah. is done for me. Fuck it. 100% yeah, I mean, go with the station. Yeah, man. Like you, you, you've achieved like, you know, all that you ever want to achieve, um, with the internet, uh, when you, when you met your wife on there. So, <laughs> That's right. um, yeah, what's been all downhill now? since then? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what does the internet have that books don't have? You know what I mean? Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I say that, but I, I hate reading. I love reading, but I hate reading. <laughs> but uh, I no, I think that would be a, a cool continuation story, man. Because like, I mean, we're we're definitely picking up like, you know, um, and getting like 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 we did with with Sabrina, like getting that extra. Um, you know, that the extra insight, the additional perspective on, on things. So that'd be, that'd be really cool. And plus like to be able to like, to, um, become aware of each other, um, while you're going through things and her, her just her perspective on that. I think, I think that would just be really a really neat story. Um, and personally, oh, I, I would be able to thank her for getting you to get onto the show because, like oh, unlike yeah. Kevin, I've had a lot of not a lot of interaction, but I've had a, a, a healthy amount of interaction with uh, Sierra uh, to to get this lined up. So you know, shout out to her; she's an amazing person for helping us. Yeah, she's a good woman, and I know that she wouldn't uh, wouldn't say no. She'd be all for this and uh, and helping does out. She, does she listen to the show? Like when you listen to it, y'all listen to it together, or? We each listen to it, but we each listen to it separately. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's been happening uh, since you guys started this, she and I take a regular weekly date night. It's been something we've been doing for five or six years. Mm-hmm. And we will, through the week, listen to the shows. And then when we come together for date night, we've had a lot of good things to talk about. That's cool, man. Oh, yeah, man. we talk about the show and what we heard. And, you know, and then I over margaritas, tell her about what I did and be all teary eyed. That's fucking super cool, dude. Like I would never have thought that that mm-hmm. this show would mm-hmm. result in the walkers like that. conversation for date for date night. That's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. That's dope as shit. I mean I wish I hadn't I wish I knew uh I wish I had known of more people who, who do that kind of stuff. And I wish they would tell us about it. Like send us some messages. Oh, hell yeah. I wish people would tell you too. Everyone should, you know, get in touch with you. Let you know. Yeah, for sure, man. That's asking too much for our lazy ass (laughs) listeners. You know, maybe, maybe our listeners would if you didn't call them lazy all the time. What? It's my dear man. Why are you hate? Why are you hating on the people that support us? Oh, man. Speaking (laughs) of support. Um, there's actual people who actually pay money insane to is what this is. show. Man, that is yeah. insane. Like, yeah. Like, hey, value yeah, for value. You guys are providing a value out there and then unrequested, you're getting value in return. Somebody's sending you something. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's nuts. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin shot me the email and then, you mm-hmm. know, screenshotted me and he's like, yeah, man. Somebody's paying like ten bucks a month. Another person and, and ten entire dollars. Yeah, like another person's like person's paying five. We haven't touched any of that money, by the way. Like we'll probably donate <clears throat> to something at some point. 
the no, Tyree, we've talked about this and I'm going to put it on air one more time. When that money hits one million dollars, Tyree is moving to Arkansas. Right. <laughs> that, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's if I, I that's if I still live here. Yeah. I mean, it's. That's probably going to be another 5,000, 6,000 years before we get to that point. <laughs> oh, man. Things move swiftly. You never know. We might get picked up by somebody. And like, you know, you yeah. guys, this fucking show of yours. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, right. guys, you know what, you guys? You know what I think about this show, you guys? You know what? Yeah. Some Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, there, there it is. Yeah. Finally. All right. You got me. Yeah. Anyway, um, you never know. Life is crazy. You you never know you you didn't know that you're going to be on that intersection in Samara Iraq doing X Y Z, mm-hmm. and you, and you never know that we would be sitting here the three of us having a conversation about shit in your pants. <laughs> you never knew that you never yeah. knew that that was going to happen. Not even today when you yeah. woke up, you didn't even think that that was a possibility. But here we are. Yeah, true. You know, life is fucking crazy. We are we are a part of crazy shit at on a daily basis, and uh, you know over time, you know you are where you're supposed to be, and you are what yeah. you are in life, you know. And uh, I'm so fucking happy that we're able to do this shit, and uh, other 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 veterans and family members members of veterans and and people who just happen to be randomly listening. Uh, can can hear this shit and like understand where you know these guys come from, and then not only that, it's not just me and Kevin talking about. Oh, this is this is Walker's story. This is Walker telling his story. You know, that's that's the Stampers. They told their story. You know, you know Sergeant Majors, plural, telling their stories on our shows. That's awesome that we we're able to do that. Because, you know, that's this shit's, you know, going to be around for as long as podcasts are around. And uh, it makes me happy to be able to to do that for folks. And, uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that. Word. Um, that's great, too. Thank you. It's not it's not too often, Brown, that you get uh, you get real deep. So I, just, I was like, I was like, you have that one. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, so on that <laughs> note, I gotta say we have to we gotta close this one out because Well, can I close it out in in the way that we closed out our time in Samara, you know, when we were leaving that last day. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we were leaving and I just call it the Santiago incident, that fella <laughs> like <laughs> Now I and I'm not I'm not I don't ever want I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to be mean or harsh to this guy because I over time I've had a greater compassion for him. But in this moment where we're, we were leaving the city, we were done. We've been there for the year. We, we'd survived. We we're rolling out, and uh, our platoon was second platoon was in the back of the convoy. Everyone else is in front of us, and. We were over by the minaret, and that's when I, I was up out of my turret, and I looking forward, I saw that troop hatch swing open from the back of that vehicle, Bradley right in front of us, and I saw that guy get out. And uh, he starts 
walking toward us and nothing seems right here. Something seemed wrong. And Ferris, uh, Ferris tried to communicate with the guy. Ferris jumped, jumped down, tried to talk to the guy, figure what was happening. And, uh, and Santiago, that Santiago didn't seem to communicate back anything to Ferris, but just started running. He just started running, uh, back into town. And that was, that was crazy. And then we turned around, uh, to cordon off the area where he'd ran into mm-hmm. and we, we had just my, just the Bravo two five Bradley in some alley with Ferris and Messer and I, and you, all the other dismounts and everyone else from the company was off doing their thing. And we, uh, we knew that Santiago was in front of us. Like we we're in this little alley and we knew that he was in this building in front of us. I don't know how, but we knew he was in there. And so I remember calling out to the guy and I remember saying, Hey man, it's Walker from second platoon. Come on out. We're going home. Everything will be okay. And I was trying to be as calming as possible <laughs> because I was very seriously worried that this guy would shoot me. <laughs> we had gone through this whole deployment and I had to worry about all these other sorts of people shooting me. And then at the very last day here, I was worried that some fella in our company was going to shoot me. That was a pretty crummy feeling. And, yeah. uh, in this dark and a minute later after talking to this guy, just I looking in this down this dark alleyway, waiting for something to come out of this house. And then I see, a rifle go flying through the air coming out and then a K-pot and then his vest, his IBA comes out, thrown out. I didn't see him, but just his gear. I think he was worried about getting shot too. I think that's why he threw his rifle out. Yeah. Uh, And then after that gear came out, Ferris and I dismounted. We, uh, we policed that equipment up and uh, he with a flashlight and me with a, my rifle, uh, we entered that building to go get him and we left Messer all alone in the alley for a minute with his rifle just to guard the Bradley. <laughs> and I would not have wanted to be him there. Uh, Could you imagine? Fuck no, no. Like, and we wound up just finding that the, building empty. All of the insane shit that could have happened in that alley to you guys. Yeah. Thank God it, so, didn't, it didn't work out like that. Because no kidding, but I was just terrified, just terrified there, just worried about either him shooting me or somebody else coming out because we were ill-equipped to deal with did any you, number of people. Did you tell anybody about that in the uh, after? I don't remember that. Would uh, man, that's fucking crazy. Uh, I don't know. I know Messer was there and Ferris was there, but I don't know that how much we talked about it. Uh, I know everyone. Even at the time, it's like I was upset with the guy a bit, uh, and a lot of people were really upset with him. Now, I don't. What's happened has happened. I don't harbor any ill will toward Santiago. It sometimes shit happens. I don't know what was going on in the back of that Bradley, but I know that we were all finishing with a whole stressful year, and for each of us, we sometimes we bolt, we run. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. When I when we all got back to Germany, 
the very first time we got the company together to do a company run and we started going out on that tank trail, mm-hmm. the sound of the cadence and everyone running, it was, it was too much. And it built up within me like a, like a pressure that was very much akin to what I had experienced during that defense of the ODA house, where there was just so much sound. There was too much sensory input that it just, it overloaded something, broke something. And when we got to Germany after that Iraq deployment and we were just running, it built up too much within me. And I just, I left the formation and I walked back to the barracks. And after the fact, uh, Sergeant Carey from another platoon, he come and say, Hey, you know, I told the first Sergeant, you had to take a shit. It's like, Oh, thank you. But for me, I just had an anxiety attack that was too much to, suppressed and I, I I left you know so I had that experience and I look back at what I saw happen to Santiago and I'd love to hear from from that guy because uh, best to get the story from the horse's mouth uh, true story yeah <clears throat> that's the point of the show right to get yeah. the, uh, get the story from a source and that would be one yeah, hell of a source to get and the difference between he and I, it was a matter of months, really. You know, he just happened to run at the tail end there for whatever his reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I did mine in Germany. Yeah. And I got to, <laughs> I yeah. like to hear from that guy sometimes. No, it's true though, man. Um, I mean, I, I, I can remember even when we were back in Germany and him just getting heckled a lot and nobody really ever asking like, what's up, man? I mean, yeah. I, definitely people asking like, what the fuck was wrong with you? Why the fuck you do that? Blah, blah, blah. But like the way that we were coming at him when we asked was definitely not the way it was not, it wasn't the, it wasn't the right way. You know what I mean? So it would have been, it would have been nice to like, to back off and be like, Hey man. So like for real though, like what was going on there? Like, you know what I mean? Cause, cause you're right. Cause it could, it could have been a moment, you know, his moment where he cracked. Yeah. Um, and thinking about it now, like we're we're smarter, we're smarter about this kind of PTSD type shit, you know. Mm-hmm. We, oh yeah. Now we are. I mean, back then we we're younger, and and we didn't know as much. And in that particular moment, the the only thing that I can think about was my own selfishness about me me getting the fuck out of this fucking area while this fucking guy's losing his mind and running back into the middle or into the mouth of the beast. And and now I understand, like, okay, he was fucking going through some shit at that point. Mm. And it was, it, it, it was a, it not just him, because it was everyone in the back of that. Bradley, uh, it was he, it was a powder cake, and it was the own, somebody needed to do a spark it, man, and somebody sparked it. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but I'm not trying to gossip or anything, but it would be mm. nice to hear what happened from those guys. Mm. Oh, absolutely. It would put my mind at ease a little bit because I'm like, fuck, I didn't know that you went through that scenario in the fucking alley with that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I, it, that was just so crazy. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we told, I don't think I told anybody about it just because it was just, it was too nuts. And uh, mm. like so much of what we did, it just seemed incredulous, just unreal. Yeah. Mm. And what a way to to close out the year with the with that 
what, what do you remember about the end of the of the deployment? That last, I mean, after everything, the Santiago incident. Oh, I remember it was assholes with their airsoft guns. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was so much fun, man. We, oh God! So all right, folks, we we bought a bunch of BB guns, airsoft guns, uh, the really crappy ones, pump action, nothing like yeah. that's really going to hurt anybody. But I mean, we can actually relax, and we fucking had little BB gun fights uh, on the pad, and I, I had a blast, man. That was one of my like uh, best memories. I know we talk shit oh, about like oh, how much we hated sandbags. I had fun with it, fuck it. But that right there with the BB guns, man, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I I couldn't understand you guys. We'd just been done uh, playing soldier, and here you guys were playing soldier with plastic guns as we're getting ready to leave. Yeah, it was stupid, but it was like oh, fuck. Yeah, just running around, you know. It, of course, it's we still have to worry about this fucking indirect fire, but for no reason whatsoever, we were well. I wouldn't say no reason, but we were done with that. We we're finished. So they yeah. told us we we're done. I believed it. You know, I, if they would have said, "Hey, we have to go back in there," I would have been like crushed beyond belief. But you know, we were finished. So you know, we can blow off some steam. You mentioned being crushed feeling crushed beyond all belief. My second deployment, I drove by Samara and I saw it again, mm-hmm. a place I thought I would never have to see. Yeah. And that crushed me and made me sick. I had a horrible, horrible feeling in my guts. And I made a video and sent it to my, to Sierra and I still have it. And I just explained like this, I feel awful. It feels like returning to the scene of a crime. That's how I described it. So mm. it awful. God damn. Well, I I'd love to get her on here to talk about it. Absolutely, man. That would be, I think that'd be fun. Oh, she'd love it. She gets along with everybody, so she'll get along with you, Johnson. <laughs> Am I hard to get along with? I don't think I'm hard. No, no, no. It probably didn't come off the way I meant it. So, all right, so. Um, let's go ahead and just fucking talk about landing back in Germany. I remember taking some pictures. Uh, what was the, the feeling knowing that this shit's done? Uh, it, it took a long time to realize that it was done. I was still reaching for my rifle for quite a while and it was just not to be found. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it. I fell back into old routines pretty easily. I, the first day back, and and they say, oh, you know, don't drink, and well, that's going to go far. I remember having <laughs> beers ready for us in the barracks, and then drinking and going out on the town and drinking more. So, uh, mm-hmm. it was it, it, waiting. I was waiting in Germany just to go home for my leave, and to, I was I was really excited. Uh, to go and see Sierra. Uh, we talked on the phone and we've been sending emails and I was excited to to see her in person. Hey. That's what I was waiting on. And that is a perfect time to end this. I hate to end <laughs> it so abruptly, but that'll lead right up to part three. So perfect. thank you so much for coming on the show uh, for a long time. <laughs> 
and uh, we can end this episode. Kevin, you got anything? Uh, no, I just want to say, uh, you know, and like we talked a bit before Walker, like we haven't spoken since 2005, right? So since I left Germany, cause you were still in Germany and, um, and that's the last time anybody's, or I've heard from you or, you know, heard your voice or anything, and you know, um, and fuck man, like I hate, I hate that it's been this long and and, uh, and I know you're not like a, a phone person or whatever, man, but like, we definitely need to make sure that like, that we, that we, we stay in touch more, um, somehow, some way. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you are aware, but we are planning a thing in Florida in June. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in June. Yes, sir. Ooh, well, that's wonderful. I, uh, I've heard about this. I'm planning to go. Uh, i dusted off my taxi symbol so I can mount it atop my sweet minivan. <laughs> yes. Do you still have that? I do. I do. Oh I had very few war trophies, but one of them was the taxi symbol and another pair is a, a pair of aviator glasses that the Curtis got for me from some building. Yeah. But yeah, That's I have insane. the taxi symbol. That taxi sign is like I I, I don't even know the word. It's when I think of two five, I think of that taxi sign. It's the taxi tank with the little ants in the back. Yep. Yeah, all the no, angry that. ants are not little ants. You're angry ants. Yeah, I think I think we've even mentioned that taxi sign in a previous episode, like or a couple of them. But like that, you still have that? That blows my mind. <laughs> it's got to. All right, hey guys, we got to go. All right. Well, thank you both for having me on. And I really do look forward to talking to you guys again in the future. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Sooner than you think. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, listen, subscribe, share, share, share. Thank you. And have a good one.